0: symbol of excellence in sports entertainment.
1: Turn it on and rip the knob off.
2: guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade. It is episode 85, and I am your host, Ray Russell. Back again for more of June 1987 and the World Wrestling Federation again this week. We're going to close out the month of June, and subsequently when we do that, we're going to reach the halfway mark here in the 1987 and the WWF Project. Wow, halfway through this thing already. Seems like just yesterday, we were watching WrestleMania 3. And lots to talk about here this week as we close out the month of June TV. The Killer Bees going to take on tag team champion the Heart Foundation, the Macho Man Randy Savage of Miss Elizabeth, enter the Snake Pit. We're going to see action involving the new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man, plus Brutus the Barber Beefcake, forced to team with the Russo Brothers in six-man tag team action here this week. Outlaw Ron Bass will also debut his new Bullwhip Miss Betsy, plus Jimmy Powers and Paul Roma split up. In separate matches this week, Paul Roma going to go in it alone in singles competition. Meanwhile, Jimmy Power is going to find himself a new tag team partner this week. Very unusual there, but I have my theories, and we'll get to that later in the show. Also, I'm happy to announce Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff is back on our TV screens. The Jumping Bomb Angels on their way to the World Wrestling Federation. Mr. T going to return as guest enforcer referee for the WWF and the natural Butch Reed calls out Superstar Graham. All of that, plus it's the debut vignette of the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Yes, all of that and more, plus soundbites galore, here again this week on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. And remember, you can listen to the Grenade as well as sister shows like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, chronicling the entire Monday Night War over there. It's Raw vs. Nitro on the Monday Warfare podcast. Also, you guys can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. That's right, it's 100% territory talk each and every time out. Right now, we got a couple of projects going over there, including the 1986 in Mid-South Wrestling Project, as well as 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. And I want to thank my respective guest co-hosts for those shows, Roman Gomez and Jamie Ward, for being a part of Regional Wrestling And you can listen to all of those shows and more over at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. Located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and everywhere. Your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. You can also follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like us at Facebook.com slash Grenade. You can follow us there for all the latest goings on here and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network Plus. Plus. I'm constantly adding old-school videos and pictures from throughout wrestling history. I also encourage everyone to become a subscriber of our YouTube channel. You can find us there at youtube.com slash wrestlinggrenade, uploading new videos all the time as I continue to preserve my VHS collection by converting it all to digital. But it doesn't end there, guys. Now is a tremendous time to become a WrestleCopia patron, you can find us there at patreon.com slash wrestlecopia. That address again, patreon.com slash wrestlecopia. Multiple tiers that you guys can choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a go at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of good gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages and pages of show notes for the Wrestling Memory Grenade Monday Warfare and now the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well plus early access to many of the podcasts here on the show. You guys can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. You'll also receive enhanced versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, featuring the 1989 and the NWA Project. What does that entail? Enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show, but it does not in there. You'll also receive digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering mini past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more, plus random bonus video drops, and you never know what I'm going to add next to the all-access tier, and you can get it all for just $5 a month. Low, low price of just $5, and the best part, no subscription, guys. You guys can cancel anytime, but give it a go for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it Going to go right back here and to pay the bills at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. So please, if you guys have a few bucks to throw around, perhaps you're looking to help out one of the podcast networks out there. Well, help out this fledgling podcast network here. I'm not rolling in the dough, guys. This is coming out of my pocket, all of the expenses here, and I greatly appreciate your support should you guys enjoy and appreciate the time and effort that I put in to all the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. So if you guys have a few bucks laying around that PayPal account or whatnot, I'd really appreciate your support here. Let's keep the Wrestlecopia podcast number and all the podcasts at Wrestlecopia up and running for the months and the years to come. And with all of that out of the way, it's time to dive back into June 1987 WWF TV. Got to pick up where we left off this time. It's WWF Superstars for June 20th, 1987. <laughs> All right, and it is the Superstars of Wrestling for June the 20th. Take back June 2nd, Buffalo, New York Memorial Auditorium. Fitz McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino on commentary. And we kick things off right away with the WWF Tag Team Champions, the Heart Foundation, Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the Killer Bees. Wow. Non-title action, of course, here on Superstars. And what's this? Dangerous Danny Davis also at ringside this week. We haven't seen Danny accompany the Hearts to the ring too much as of late, but he is here for this big, important matchup. And as the match gets going, it's the bees working over the arm of the anvil to start things off. Bret Hart then tagging in, but it's more of the same on the hitman, until Jim Runzel runs into a knee to the gut from Bret Hart. From there, the Hart Foundation working over Brunzell in their corner. Bret Hart delivers a backbreaker, getting himself a two-count there, jumping Jim, trying for a comeback, but he's tripped up as he runs off the ropes by Danny Davis on the outside, right in front of referee Dave Hebner. And somehow, the Hearts are not disqualified here, but rather Brian Blair dropping down off the apron. He goes after Danny Davis at ringside, but finally Dave Hebner has enough and he ejects dangerous Danny Davis from the ringside area. Danny Davis being escorted away, dragged away by police officers here, distracting the Hart Foundation and Dave Hebner long enough for the bees to put on the masks. It's mass confusion time, guys, as the bees pull the old switcheroo in the ring and the illegal B. Brian Blair taking over for jumping Jim in the ring and Brian Blair going to work on the hitman, Blair with a sunset flip, but Bret Hart close enough to the ropes to grab hold of the ropes, holding on to the ropes, preventing himself from going down. As Jim Neidhart tries to step in and put a stop to it, he's intercepted by referee Dave Hebner, and with all the confusion going on, it allows the also-masked Jim Brunzel with a slingshot sunset flip over the top rope into the ring, onto the hitman as Brian Blair rolls out of the way, so they switched again, and now the legal Jim Brunzel back in the ring securing the sunset flip gets the one, the two, and the three. The Killer Bees have defeated tag team champion Heart Foundation in 4 minutes and 23 seconds. The Bees bolt from the ring in celebration here, and mass confusion has done it again. Fun finish and super over with the fans. All of the Hart Foundation's cheating backfired here. We saw Danny Davis out there getting involved. Jim Neidhart repeatedly trying to get into the matchup, essentially costing his own team the win here. And the Bees, the mass confusion gimmick, as I said, definitely over when done right. And it worked here today on Superstars. Fun TV match that would seem to lead to a return match here for the tag team belts. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that. And it seemed kind of random and out of place in regards to the current pushes going on here in the tag team division. This felt more of a spot for, like, the Can-Am connection, to build them to the next step, but, of course, the Can-Am's currently paired off with the Islanders now, and even the the future young stallions, Roma and Powers here, would have made more sense storyline-wise if you're trying to build someone up, and I'm not saying they deserve this spot, but it would have done more for them in the long term. Now, the Bees, they've been treading water here the entire year of 1987, and then this, out of nowhere for them. But the WWF loved to keep everyone in contention here in the tag team title division, especially at this point in 87. And the Bees, they got thrown a lot of bones throughout their tenure here, but the WWF just never really capitalized on any of those bones. And if you listen to Brian Blair or Brunzee tell it, they, they were promised the tag titles on at least three different occasions. And as I go back and start thinking about it, you know, this would have been an amazing position for the Midnight Rockers had they stuck around. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty scoring this upset win, These this brand new tag team. I'm not saying they would have done it, but man, talk about instant stars overnight. If the Rockers could have somehow upset the Heart Foundation here, back in 87, just brand new tag team on the scene, well, it would have been something else. And could have added another layer to the Hitman HBK story over the course of the next decade, but we'll have to dream about that right now. It is the Killer Bees scoring a non-title win over the Heart Foundation as we roll on. It's Update. With Craig DeGeorge, we see footage of the Honky Tonk Man celebrating backstage after winning the Intercontinental title from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And right off the bat, it's the Macho Man Randy Savage, the very first man to come into the locker room and congratulate the Honky Tonk Man. I'm still scratching my head about that. Remember, Savage made it clear he wanted to be the man to dethrone Steamboat, win his title back that he should have never lost. He even cost Hercules the chance to win the belt on Saturday night's main event just a while back. But now here, he's okay with the Honky Talk Man taking the belt. Maybe, maybe because Macho Man thinks he can take Honky. We'll have to wait and see what goes on with that as well. But also in the dressing room for this mini party, the likes of Honky Talk Stablemates, the Hart Foundation, Danny Davis, of course, the Islanders in there as well, as well as the natural Butch Reed. And last week, we touched on the rumors and, and stories that have been told over time about Butch Reed supposedly being the original man pegged to take the IC title off a steamboat here. But he knows showed the TV taping, or so it goes, and the opportunity was gifted to the Honky Tonk Man instead. Now, I shared my personal views and opinions on that last week. You guys can go back to last week's episode of The Grenade, episode 84, and check that out. But I did find it fun here, Butch Reed, in this locker room recording, celebrating the IC title win of the Honky Tonk Man. As we're back to the ring, George the Animal Steel taking on Al Navarro. As Navarro tries to attack with a clothesline, but gets his arm bitten for his troubles and then tossed outside to the floor, Animal then going to snack on a turnbuckle and then tosses some of the stuffing at the referee as well as we get an insert promo from Danny Davis. He talks about being ejected earlier in the Hart Foundation Killer Bees match and discusses the poor officiating here in the WWF since he was fired. Then back inside the ring, George Steele briefly working the arm of Navarro before it's the flying hammerlock going to pick up the quick win here in just one minute and 15 seconds. And then post-match, the animal tackling the referee again here this week. I think it was John Bonello. I don't have it in my notes. And the referee has a legit scared look on his face like he's about to be raped by a gorilla. No, not that gorilla, guys. Before George finally allowing the referee back up to his feet and steal, raising the hand of the referee. The referee gets the win here this week. No, the win's going to go to the animal. Oh, George. As we get more turnbuckle biting to end this segment, and as much as I want to trash these segments with George Steele, the matches are all like a minute long, the character's clearly over with the fans, especially the kids, and it just works in that regard. As much as I groan when I see him coming out to the ring for a match at Madison Square Garden or Boston or Philly or whatever the case may be, here on TV, the animal character just works. It is what it is, guys, as we roll on. Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with the brand new Intercontinental Champion. Let's hear from the Honky Tonk Man.
0: You talk about shockers. This man shocked the socks right off me last week. I cannot believe it. Honky Tonk Man upsetting Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And today... The honky talk man is the brand new intercontinental champion of the world. I told you He is I told managed you. by this, <laughs> this little squirrel, this Jimmy Hart. Don't call
3: me twerp and don't call me. Hey, you trying to step on my shoe, man. I mean, t- I'm so happy.
0: Well, you couldn't do anything to the shoes. They're uh, they're a piece of work. Who where do you it's buy a, your clothes?
3: None of your business. I'm gonna tell you because you would be dressed out here in a pink app, pretty and pink. You know what I'm saying, mean Gimp?
0: Pretty, pretty what do you mean pretty and pink?
3: Just what I said. Do I start to read my lips?
0: That seems to be a trademark of the Hart Foundation. That's pink. right. That's right, baby. And don't Passionate ever forget pink. that either. The new champion, baby, the new champion. Oh. Here he is. <laughs> well, I tell you what, all those millions of people supporting you, Honky Tonk Man, you couldn't have done it without them, I right? I couldn't have done it without them, and I told them before,
4: and I say it again, I could not do anything without this fan support I have. They love the Honky Tonk Man, yeah. just like you're going to love me from now on, Gene, because you know that I'm the champion. And I, yeah, you're going to say, where's the belt? Why don't you have the belt out here? I know here? what's going on with the you belt. You know where the belt is. Peggy Sue's got the belt, just like she had my guitar. She's making sure that it's just right for the Honky Man. You see, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, he left some garbage. He left dirt and dust all on the belt. It's not cleaned up. It's not, it's not fitting the Honky Tonk Man just right. And Peggy Sue's got it down in Memphis right now, just like she's getting a Honky Tonk Man a brand-new guitar to carry. Well, I, I would she's imagine, imagine have you'd have to wear that up. belt
0: a little lower, that Ricky Steamboat because of the uh, uh, swivel (laughs) hips swivel (laughs) hips that's it oh I
4: guess you want to say something about me eating jelly donuts or something huh
0: no I didn't want to say that (laughs) you brought it up I didn't
4: (laughs) (laughs) I did it just for the fans I wear that belt I'm going to wear it for them every time I go out I'm going to have the belt on and I want everybody I want all of my fans to step up there and take a look in fact if they want to come up there and get some of the green stuff off their teeth maybe if they want to wash their hands a little bit and stick them up there to see how shiny their dirty fingers nails have become they can do that and they can do it off the front of that bell
0: i'm very curious that buick you've got is it uh, this is the same color right here this co- this color pink uh, pink hon- on, hon- hon- honky excuse me
4: that's a cadillac it's not a buick nobody drives buicks anymore I I we're can't. into cadillacs we're into diamond rings well, and limousines we're into rich old. girls lovers and poor girls dreams we're the champions don't you understand that we upset a lot of people we upset a lot of people in the dressing room we upset a lot of people up in the communications department we upset everybody especially that (laughs) big fat jack Tunney at the world wrestling federation
0: you know the one thing that really upset me honky tonk what's that the fact that you didn't invite me to that elaborate party through after your so-called victory. I guess
4: we're trying to tell you something mean, Gene. Right,
0: well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Jimmy Hart the new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man.
2: All right, and the Honky Tonk Man, the brand new WWF Intercontinental Champion, and I'm going to have to say that for quite a while. If you guys know your WWF history, we roll on and we get a quick video promoting the Jumping Bomb Angels, Norio Tateno, Itsuki Yamazaki, coming to the World Wrestling Federation. They're on their way. As we see clips from Japan, we cut back to Jesse Ventura talking about the Japanese commentary during that matchup. And I quote, Jesse says, Those Japs were talking about the Predator. Those Japs. Hey, Jess. And then it's back to the ring for the Can-Am Connection. Rick Martell and Tom Zink taking on the team of Dave Wagner and Rick Renslow here as we get an insert promo from Bobby Heenan and the Islanders who are simply having a laugh at the pretty boy Can-Am's And a really nice poetry and motion spot used here in this matchup, Rick Martell comes flying off of Tom Zink's back with a beautiful flying back elbow. Can-Am's really getting it together here as a tag team. Double dropkick also here by The Connection and some great double team setup moves. Just great timing by the babyfaces. As Rick Martell eventually scooping Renslow up into a bear hug of sorts, Tom Zink then coming off the top rope with a missile dropkick. I wrote, holy wow, what a nasty bump. Tom Zink really laid in that missile drop kick off the top. And the Can-Am going to pick up the win here in two minutes, 52 seconds. And the action continues on here, superstars. It's Killer Khan. Mr. Fuji in his corner taking on Brian Costello. Jesse Venture randomly putting over Killer Khan as the man that Hulk Hogan cannot beat here in the World Wrestling Federation. So there must be some Killer Khan Hulk Hogan matches upcoming on the house shows, you'd have to imagine. As for the match here this week, next to no offense from Killer Khan. Just a backbreaker, top rope knee drop. Going to get the win here in just one minute and 44 seconds. Most of that was Khan getting down in his sumo pose stance for the matchup. As we continue on here with superstars, we're going to head back to Mean Gene again. This time, he's standing by with the barber, Brutus Beefcake.
0: My special guest this week is a man who has turned his life around 180 degrees. Come on in. I call him the San Francisco Clipper. You know him as Brutus Beefcake, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And you seem to be in fine form as a barber, but Brutus, you've got scores out there to settle, and I'm going to drop some names here. Your former partner, Greg the Hammer Valentine, one of those men. Dino Bravo, they're part of the new Dream Team. And, of course, your former manager, Luscious Johnny V. You've already done a little work on him.
5: You know, Gene, i got a lot on my mind. i got a lot on my mind, you know. I almost had my legs... Broken right on the TV, all the people saw me virtually carried from the ring. They thought, well, maybe Beefcake won't be back. Well, the barber is back. And the barber is now out for more than just a little clip.
0: You know, the thing I didn't like about that entire incident in front of a national television audience, the fact that Valentine Bravo and luscious Johnny V triple teamed you... Thank goodness for the
5: Rougeau brothers, Jacques and Raymond. Well, the Rougeau brothers were in the right place at the right time. And the beefcake is a little bit stronger, a little better than you ever thought. Because I always saved a little bit than you never knew about. And you said you taught me everything you knew, Greg. Well, I know the figure four. I might just slap it on Johnny V and break his little spindly legs. And then... I'm going to clip the rest of his ugly hair off, that greasy slime that everybody walks around laughing at, and then I'm going to take and throw him out of the ring and sweep him away like the rest of the garbage. And then it's me and you and the rest of your...
0: All right, uh, I wonder if I could get just a little trim from you, Brutus, right in here. Thank you very much. Oh, that's a nice touch. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
2: Uh, write in a little struttin' and cutting, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, no doubt, still trying to settle all of his scores with Johnny V, former partner Greg Valentine, Dino Bravo and the like. I can't wait until it's over, though, so that Brutus can go on and do some other things here. And as the show goes on, it's time for Jake the Snake Roberts, and in his snake pit this week, it's the Macho Man Randy Savage, along with the lovely Elizabeth, and the Macho Man immediately congratulating once again the Honky Talk Man on becoming the brand new IC Champion. Macho says he's moving on from the IC title, pointing to Hulk Hogan instead, claiming, no, no, guaranteeing, there's that word again, pal, the Macho Man guaranteeing that he will be the next WWF champion. Must have knew something we didn't. Jake then asks the Macho Man, if you couldn't beat Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at WrestleMania 3, what makes you think you could take the title from Hogan? Good question, Jake. The Macho Man says that Macho Madness is over Hulkamania. Savage says he has Hogan's number, and that number is two. Why? Because the Macho Man is number one. Dig it! Uh Aha! So it sounds like the original plan here may have been for a Savage Hogan run into the fall before things get all moved around and obviously for the better. Just really interesting seeing Savage a total heel here still, congratulating Honky Tonk Man after vowing to get his IC title back just weeks ago. Then all of a sudden, he's cool with it. Hockey-tonk man is IC champion. That's okay with the Macho Man, at least for the short term. And then, of course, we have Roberts telling Savage here that he doesn't think he can beat Hulk Hogan. And, of course, as we know, the Snake will wind up partners with the Macho Man by Survivor Series. Interesting things for sure all around here in the World Wrestling Federation as we move on to another update. Special report with Craig DeGeorge as we continue to follow the journey of the Superstar Graham story. Of course, as everybody knows by now, Billy Graham trying to make his return to the WWF rings after undergoing a hip replacement surgery. And there's actually very graphic footage shown from that surgery on WWF TV. But at this point, it's all over, said and done. It's all about recovering and rehab here as we see Superstar Graham working out every day and training with a vision to return to the ring. We won't have to wait too much longer to see what happens next in the career of superstar Billy Graham. As we head back to the ring, Billy Jack Haynes is going to step in there to take on Steve Lombardi as we get an insert promo from Billy Jack putting over superstar Graham's return, calling Graham an inspiration to all. And this entire match on commentary is spent putting over Billy Graham rather than focusing on Haynes, so Billy Jack an afterthought at this point, but he does pick up the win here with the full Nelson in just one minute and 42 seconds. Billy Jack Haynes, he had the look, He was able to go in the ring. A very convincing promo, maybe not the best promo, but very convincing, that's for sure. Just maybe a a few screws loose may have been the situation there. As we are now treated to more footage from the Predator movie featuring Jesse Ventura, of course, and yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, blah, blah, blah. But according to the body, he's the feature star here, and this week we get the infamous line. You're
1: hit. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. I ain't got
2: time to bleed. I wrote LOL. I love it. One of the classic movie lines of the time period. Jesse Ventura even recites it again to Vince McMahon here on commentary. And uh, at least Vince gets the movie name right here this week. Remember, Jesse was calling it The Predator. Vince McMahon at least knows that it's just Predator, Jess. As we roll on, more tag team action in the ring here this week. Eight-man tag team action, to be exact. It's the Heenan family, accompanied to the ring by their manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Going to take on the team of Jimmy Powers, Paul Roma, Don Driggers, and Mario Mancini. Bobby Heenan out first with the King Harley race in Hercules. Bobby then introducing the other two members that will make up this eight-man tag team match. King Kong Bundy back on WWF television here this week. But the brain isn't done yet. Not only is Bundy returning to syndicated TV, so is Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf. also returning to TV. And the crowd is so loud, you can't even hear Bobby Heenan. Instant heat again for the returning Mr. Wonderful here, as we get an insert promo here from Bobby Heenan talking all of his Heenan family. And yes, we got four of them out here right now, but he says, let's not forget Andre the Giant, the Islanders. And of course, very shortly, we're going to see Ravishing Rick Root as well. I wrote, wow, what a stable, or er, family. Sorry, Bobby. And as the match gets going, Orndorf and Bundy beating down Don Driggers before Hercules steps in and delivers a blasting clothesline. Then the King Harley race in, with a big power slam, but the Heenan family just keep pulling poor Driggers up from the pinfall attempts, finally allowing Driggers to tag in Jimmy Powers. And almost immediately, Powers coming in and running into a Mr. Wonderful boot in the corner, Harley race in from there dropping the big patented knee drop, and then it's tagged back to Hercules' time as he press slams Jim Powers back into his own corner, allowing Powers to make the tag to Mario Mancini. I was kind of hoping Jimmy would tag in Paul Roma. I wrote, damn, I thought we were about to see power versus glory. Just wasn't meant to be here this week. Instead, it's Orndorff and Mario Mancini, and it is the Mr. Wonderful Piledriver on Mancini before Orndorff putting his foot on the chest of Mario to score the win in three minutes and 37 seconds. The Heenan family getting super heat here this week, but Orndorff is next level heat. Unbelievable. Unbelievable and he hasn't even been on TV in months. A testament to how good and over he was before he left. And Paul Roma, luckily, never even had to tag into the matchup here this week. As we're off to one more promo here on Superstars, it's Mean Gene yet again standing by this time with the Birdman, Coco Beware.
0: Federation Woo-hoo. and his mascot, Frankie Beware. I could only be talking about <laughs> Whoa, Coco Beware, the high-flying got... Birdman, and you are on a roll right now the World Wrestling Federation.
3: That's right, brother. I'm proud of it, Mean Gene, because of the fans that's been behind the Birdman ever since I've been right here in the World Wrestling Federation. You know, if you think for a minute you can't
0: do it without the fans, you're absolutely wrong. Many have tried, but but those fans, really, when it comes right down to it, they're a tremendous source of inspiration
3: That's for you. right. They they excite me. They excite Frankie. They excite everybody. Do they excite you, Frankie. Lord, how mercy excites Frankie so well.
0: Mm. Now, let's talk about some of the things that are happening here in the World Wrestling Federation. First of all, there's a brand new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Can you believe it?
3: I can't believe it. I think he really shocked the whole world. And I know, you know, most of all, he shocked uh, Ricky's steamboat.
0: Well, of course, there there was a little uh, chicanery in there. Once again, a, a cloud of controversy hovers over yet another title change. That little, uh, that little squirrel, Jimmy Hart, got involved, distracted Ricky Steamboat. You saw what happened.
3: Yeah, I saw what happened. You know, that's what Jimmy Hart is made of. He's nothing but a little wimp. He's always, he's nothing but a little leech hound. That's all he is. He wants to get on everybody's bandwagon, well, just I, like Danny Davis. I call him a parasitical fink. <laughs> you, you got the right word for it. Yes. He <laughs> never right, Frankie.
0: Anyway, I don't hey, want to diminish the victory of the honky-tonk man, but he is the intercontinental champion. There are a couple of other people here, notables in the World Wrestling Federation that you've been keeping an eye on lately. One is Dangerous Danny Davis, and the other is the natural Butch Reed.
3: That's right. You know, I'm going to keep my eyes on Mr. Danny Davis because I want to teach Danny Davis a valuable lesson. What's that? Teach him how to wrestle real, real good to pay his dues. All right. I The
0: go. words go. of the high-flying man, That is Coco Beware, and stay tuned. We're going to be back after this.
2: And Coco, not quite done with Dangerous Danny Davis yet, it would seem as we're off to the following day's WWF Wrestling Challenge, June the 21st, 1987. And it is June twenty first. Challenge tape back June third, Rochester, New York, at the War Memorial. Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. And during this period, while Heenan's wearing the neck brace, every week he's escorted up the stairs by the lovely is Just another way to get a little heat on Bobby the Brain Heenan, as if he needs any more. And we're off to the ring to see the brand new Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Man. He's in action, going to take on Paul Roma here, and of course Jimmy Hart in the corner, the Colonel. Jimmy Hart in the corner of the Honky Tonk Man as we get an insert promo from the Macho Man who, for the third time now, congratulates Honky yet again as Savage states he's going to the top of the mountain. He's coming after the WWF champion Hulk Hogan instead. Then in the ring, Paul Roma gets a couple of token comebacks here, but Honky Tonk Man mostly dominates the entire matchup before landing the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker and picking up the win in just one minute and 56 seconds. Now, Honky has a bad habit, I've noticed as of late, including. Really, in the the title change with Steamboat, he has a bad habit of getting up off of his opponents at the two count, but the referee continues to count three anyway. And post-match, Honky on the microphone, dedicating this win to all of his fans as we get a little dance again this week from the new Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Man. (laughs) And it's time for this week's Wrestlers Rebuttal with Craig DeGeorge. This week, he's with the British Bulldogs as they tell us Matilda gives them ring advice. All righty. And I fear for what's coming next in that little cartoon angle as we're back to the ring. Ken Patera gonna take on Rick Renslow here as we have Bobby Heenan on commentary. Ken Patera in the ring. Patera and Heenan exchanging fingers at one another. Pointy fingers, guys. Pointy fingers. And on his way to the ring, Patera rocking the old white jacket and pants. Pretty cool is the crowd is shown wearing neck braces. Must have been handing those out, mocking Bobby Heenan and actually popping for Patera. Kenny Patera over here with the Rochester crowd anyway. And Kim Patera shows off his strength throughout the matchup, throwing Rinslow around a little before landing that big toss slam. From there, it's a vertical suplex and the bear hug. Gonna get the submission win in just two minutes and 12 seconds. On commentary, Bobby Heenan absolutely busting his ass. To keep this angle going, but it'll be derailed soon. Don't you guys worry about it. Divine intervention, I suppose. As it's once again interview time, this time Mean Gene Oakland standing by with Tom Zink and Rick Martell, the Can Am Connection.
0: All right, hi get everybody. Mean Gene Oakland, reminding you that you're gonna be seeing the superstars here each and every week. And I gotta talk about the tag team situation right now, the World Wrestling Federation. It is red hot. It is not on a back burner, it is in the forefront and one of the hottest teams right now in all of professional wrestling are the Can-Am Connection from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Come on into my right, Tom Zink. From Quebec City in Canada, Rick Martell. And Rick, you've been around the World Wrestling Federation for a while. For the benefit of Tom and myself, I guess you can say that you probably have never seen anything like today with at least a dozen great teams here.
6: No, I've never seen a situation like that. Yes, it is hot right now because you have top tag teams from all over the world. I'm with the WBF and right now, my partner and I, you know, would like to know what kind of dealings went on between the Islanders and Heenan. Did Heenan promise the Islanders, you know, a, a shot at the world's tag team title?
0: Or did the Islanders promise Heenan with the tag team title? Well, let me tell you something, Islanders. In this case, promising will be much easier than delivering. Because you're trying to use the Can-Am connection to achieve your goals, and let me tell you, that's a big mistake on your part, because we're fighting very much for a shot at the tag team title right now, and we're not going to let you guys use us as a stepping stone, I guarantee you. All right, uh, Tom, thank your thoughts. That's for sure, Gene. There is a lot of competition, like you said. It is red hot, and we're going to be red hot on the Islanders. We're going to be all over the Islanders, because they taught us a lesson, a very good lesson, not to turn our backs on anyone and any competition here in the WWF, because I guess you just never know what's going to happen. And believe me, the Can-Am Connection, you be ready for us, any competitors, because we're heading for the gold. That's our goal. I thank you very much for what an impressive tag team they are. Tom Zink and Rick Martell, the Can-Am Connection, a couple of the best in the World Wrestling Federation.
2: And the Can-Am's talking their issues with Bobby Heenan and the Islanders. Not the best promos, to say the least, but they're fun to watch in the ring. And speaking of the Islanders, we head back to the ringside for tag team action Leaping Lanny Poffo and Cowboy Scott Casey, back again this week, taking on the team of Haku and Tama, the Islanders now accompanied to the ring by Bobby the Brain Heenan, as we get a poem from Poffo talking the Can-Am connection, taking care of the Islanders. You think Lanny would be more focused on himself? Specifically in this matchup, Poffo better worry about Poffo instead of inciting the likes of Tama and especially Haku. As with Bobby Heenan at ringside, as always, we get Johnny V joining commentary here with the Gorilla for this one. Scott Casey made to look good early on again this week, controlling a cocky Tama, but then Haku tags in, and Haku finally taking over with a vicious chop. The Islanders then going to work on Casey, but Haku missing a big splash, and Scotty finally managing to tag out to leaping Lanny Poffo, and Lanny Poffo going boffo on the Islanders here momentarily before missing a drop kick on Haku. And then Haku picking Papo up into the air, pressing him over his head and dropping him down gut first onto the knee of Tama before we get stereo running, diving headbutts down on Leaping Lanny. Pafo going to make the cover here and get the win for the Islanders, three minutes and 27 seconds. And Gorilla on commentary asks if this was a handicap match. And I'm not going to lie, the Islanders in there for a long period of time together at the end of that matchup. Even still, Islanders have gained so much momentum Fans finally taking notice, and they're like a completely different team in the Heenan family. I'm not sure if they were given the directive or not, but you want to talk about aggressive. That's Haku and Tama at this point. As we're treated to yet another Predator clip here this week, this time on Challenge. And no, it's not the same one we saw on Superstars, so they continue to find bits and pieces of Jesse Ventura and promote this movie here on WWF-TV. As I have another soundbite queued up for you, we've seen these two. They've had some issues as of late. Right now, mean and is going to talk to the tag team of Cowboy Bob Orton and the magnificent Morocco. I want to bring in
0: a couple of very prominent members of the World Wrestling Federation. As a matter of fact, they are both seasoned veterans and they're, they're legends of sorts in this great organization. First of all, from Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, Ace Cowboy Bob Orton, truly one of the great technicians. And am I right, from Sunset Beach, Hawaii, The Magnificent Morocco. Now, before we start talking about tag team matches you're going to be involved in, gentlemen, I understand there was a little tiff the other night at one of the major arenas, and I want to know, Don, Morocco, is there a little uh, dissension within the ranks of Morocco and Orton?
1: Well, let me tell you one thing, Gene. In the heat of battle, sometimes within the bitterness of defeat, people who don't have control of themselves, who aren't able to accept... Matters beyond their control. People that are lesser than they should be obviously do lose their temper sometimes, but things can be rectified. Things can be gone from that.
0: Well, you know, to, to me it sounds like, you know, it would be the same as, as Magic Johnson clubbing or clobbering Kareem Abdul Jabbar in a basketball game, hitting a, a member of his same team.
1: Well, they'd come out the next day and they'd play ball together as a team. Gene, that's the bottom line. Now we're going to get back together as a team. I still wear my Hawaiian shirt. Hey, everything's all right. We're going to smooth things out, get ready to take on the competition. Here we are. We should be the world tag team champions. We're that good. But we just haven't smoothed out the rough. We both got egos. You know what I mean? And it's hard to get two guys I mean, no, we with We understand great that talent. Bob has made a couple yeah. of mistakes. We'll and then it's do, do you? Fine. But right. regardless, on, not, let's not throw any stones. On, I'm
2: not putting the blame on get you get just it because, it because we have some great teams. All right, play. I and thank you,
1: gentlemen.
0: College. I still feel know, there okay. might be a little friction here. We're going to be right back.
2: So they discuss the dissension, or the presumed dissension, I should say. Things can get heated when you're competitive like these two, but it'll all smooth over, says the Cowboy, as we see the two argue at the end of that promo there. Meanwhile, I should note that Howard Finkel has already started doing voiceover work promoting upcoming Don Morocco versus Bob Orton matches scheduled for July house show. So even though they haven't broken up here yet on television, the WWF already giving it away, promoting upcoming live events featuring Morocco versus Orton. So still a tag team here in syndicated TV though. As we roll on back to the ring, Birdman, Coco Beware going to take on Johnny Canine. It's not fair, a bird versus a dog, but it's Coco in control early as Gorilla Monsoon talks the WWF magazine and how it has now become a monthly publication. Every month, a new WWF magazine beginning here in the summer of 87 as Coco delivers an awesome-looking missile dropkick on Johnny k and a nasty Ghostbuster to boot. And the Birdman going to pick up the win here in just two minutes and ten seconds as we're off to Craig DeGeorge standing by as we hear comments from dangerous Danny Davis.
6: Well, Danny Davis, I think there is something that everyone here in the World Wrestling Federation will agree upon, and that is since the president, Mr. Jack Tunney, barred you for life from officiating, Boy, has the credibility ever improved here in the World Wrestling Federation of the Officials?
7: Well, in my opinion, since they let Danny Davis go as an official... Hard for life. That's right. That's right. Well, the officials have gone downhill. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. They don't know how to call a match correctly. And in my opinion, when they let Danny Davis go, so did the efficiency of the World Wrestling Federation.
6: Well, now that they are calling you a wrestler, what about some of the caliber of competition?
7: Well, Tito Santana... George Steele, Kogel Beware, whoever. When you face dangerous Danny Davis, by the way, yeah. they're going to learn that as a referee, I
2: was great, and as a wrestler, I'm even better. And someday, I'm going to get a shot at Hogan. And Davis, he feels the officiating in the WWF has gone all downhill since he was fired as a referee. But the George disagrees there, as Davis says, as good a referee as he was. He's even a better wrestler. Wow. And unfortunately, they waste this Danny Davis storyline and in, in subsequent heat that he received here throughout '87 with the likes of a non feud with Coco Beware on the house shows, sometimes Tito Santana, and then of course George Steele here on TV as well. Could Danny Davis have been something more? Well, he had the potential in the heat, and he wasn't a great promo, but he still delivered his lines like a complete smug asshole. And I think that's what kept his heat going for as long as it could. But when you do next to nothing with them and you have him feuding with your, your kid's favorite cartoon character, George Steele, it's just not going to do much for the future of Dangerous Danny, unfortunate to say. And again, I'm not saying Danny Davis should be anywhere near the main event, semi-main event, even maybe the mid-card. But accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, do what you can, and utilize him to the best of his abilities. And he could have done a whole lot more here for them. And I love his spot here as the, the third member of the Hart Foundation for the time being. As it's off to a PSA featuring Billy Jack Haynes of all people this week. Billy Jack telling us that he does not smoke, drink, nor take drugs. I guess steroids doesn't count as a drug, eh, Billy? As we get a replay of the special report of the latest ongoing situations involving superstar Billy Graham, his potential return to the WWF rings, then it is back to the ring for the one-man gang. With the Doctor of Style Slick in his corner, taking on Brian Costello here this week as the gang attacks and places Brian Costello upside down in the corner in the Tree of Woe, baby. Brian Costello caught in the Tree of Woe as the gang works him over, and then this week, it's not the Master Blaster, nope, but rather a Gourd Buster from the one-man gang. For those wondering what that is, it's you pick the man up for the vertical suplex, and then you fall forward with him. You drop him down on his gut. The Gourd Buster. Got to get the win here for the gang in 1 minute and 52 seconds, and again, for those late comers to the 87 project here in the WWF, why is the gang not doing the splash? Well, because King Kong Bunny and Kamala are already both doing a splash. They brought the gang in, gave him this master blaster finisher, this bulldog type maneuver off the middle rope. And he wasn't even scoring the win with that. No, he was going back up to the middle rope again and dropping an elbow, which you have to think day after day of doing that would be wear and tear on a man his size that he just doesn't need. So I'm really happy that they were able to change out that finisher and, and give him the gourd Buster here. Again, for the short term, but it's much more safe for the gang long-term, and it's much quicker to go into than watching a near 500-pound man climb the ropes twice to end his matches. And so it would appear the Master Blaster finisher is no more, at least in its original incarnation. I've heard this move also referred to as the Master Blaster on a couple of pieces of commentary. And like I said, all for the better. Never understood why that elbow off the middle rope wasn't the Master Blaster, because that was what he actually used to score the win not the Bulldog. So his finisher was never actually the finish of the match. And again, I'm just so happy the gang not doing two moves off the middle rope night after night would have eventually crippled a man his size. Show continues on. More action in the ring. Demolition with Mr. Fuji in their corner, taking on the team of Jerry Allen and Jim Powers. Well, we saw Paul Roma at the top of the show going one-on-one with the Honky Tonk Man. Now that seemed unusual because they've really been pushing the team of Powers and Roma as of late remember that. Then all of a sudden, Paul Roma going solo, but you don't think it's completely odd because it's possible that a tag team wrestler is going in there, especially either a Roma or a Powers going in there and working the likes of the Honky Tonk Man, but this is where it gets interesting. All of a sudden, Jim Powers here, who had been teaming nonstop with Paul Roma from the TV tapings prior to WrestleMania 3 all the way up until now, and here this week, it's Demolition taking on the team of Powers and Jerry Allen. And it's not because Paul Roma was hurt or missed this taping. Remember, we saw him at the top of the program. And that's not all. We've already seen Roma and Powers take on Demolition twice here in recent weeks. Remember the big stink they made just a week or two ago about Powers and Roma getting a rematch versus Demolition? Now, all of a sudden, Jim Powers wrestling Demolition yet again with a different partner in Jerry Allen, which seems unusual after all the pushing of the Roma and Powers tag team. It's like Jacques Rougeau randomly teaming with Lanny Poffo, or Rick Martell with Scott Casey. But I do have my theories on that, which we'll get to at the end of Wrestling Challenge. So stay tuned, guys. As the match gets going, we get got an insert promo here from Mr. Fuji. Says the Demolition will continue to demolish the competition. On commentary, Bobby Heenan putting over Demolition, but admits they wouldn't last 10 minutes against his Islanders. No honor amongst thieves, eh, Bobby? Demolition pounding down Jimmy Powers... Smash even delivering a nasty-looking hot shot. Then it's Jerry Allen's turn. Allen taking a nasty clothesline over the top rope out to the floor by Demolition Axe. And then back inside, it's the Decapitation Finisher going to get the win for the Demolition on Jerry Allen in 3 minutes and 45 seconds. And you know, having never actually just sat here and watched all the way through the 1987 WWF-TV, all the superstars and wrestling challenge, everything that goes along with it, Having never sat here and done that in chronological order before, i had always told myself that Demolition needed that year, that year of 1987, to really come together and really click. And that's true. They're not polished yet. But man, are they amazing here. Just a few months into their run, in the middle of the summer, Demolition just looks like one badass team. You believe this could be your next WWF Tag Team Champions, even at this point. Now, unfortunately, they're not given a whole lot to do here in 87, a lot of matches with The Killer Bees, of course, Billy Jack Haynes and Kim Patera, and things like that. But watching them here week in and week out on TV in these squash matches, they look absolutely amazing. And on the other end, like I said, I would touch on it at the end of the show. Well, we only got a promo still left here on Challenge. So before we get to that, I'll touch on this Roma and Powers theory right now. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. If you look at the date of the tapings, June the 3rd, this was the date of the Rockers coming into the WWF. The Rockers appeared at this same exact wrestling challenge taping, the same exact taping that Roman Powers all of a sudden are no longer teaming up. Hmm. Again, I can't prove this. I don't know this to be fact, but it doesn't take a brain surgeon to put two and two together here and say, well, Roman Powers were probably going to be a Rockers-type tag team, not, not necessarily main eventers, not tag team champions, but yet another pretty boy team like the Can-Ams and so on and so forth. But then they got Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty which leaves room for one less tag team on the babyface side of things. And who gets bumped but the lowest team on the totem pole, Powers and Roma. So I feel like at this point, maybe they were thinking about splitting up these uh, young stallions, if you will, because Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty had arrived on the scene. Now, of course, we know they only last the one taping, they're out the door. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the month, what do you know, Paul Roma and Jim Powers back as a tag team again. So, was it the firing of the Midnight Rockers that even allowed Roma and Powers the ability to become the Young Stallions and score a few upset wins and appear at things like Survivor Series? It's food for thought, guys. Very interesting. As we roll on, closing out Wrestling Challenge this week, me and Gene Oakland are going to talk to one of my favorites here. Always love to hear from the Macho Man, Randy Savage.
0: All right, there are so many things happening here in the World Wrestling Federation, including the crowding of a new intercontinental champion, the Honky Talk Man, and Jimmy Hart and him are really delighted. They are partying it up. I don't know if the gal Betty Lou is involved with the party or not. Come on it if you would, please. Macho man Randy Savage. I don't know if you could be happy about this or not. Honky-tonk becoming the new Intercontinental Champion. And all of a sudden, Ricky the Dragon steamboat is not.
1: I'm delighted about it. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Let me throw my hand right through the video scope. Yeah, go on. Do your rain, Do your thing. But the macho man Randy Savage, yeah... Understand. Understand that I got things in proper perspective now. Yeah, you're looking at the future of professional wrestling right now. You're looking at the future of the World Wrestling Federation. You're looking at the new world Let, heavyweight champion. Let me repeat myself right there. Wait, wait, wait. I ain't repeating myself. Go ahead and tell me something right now. Yeah,
0: wait a minute. If You're telling me, Macho Man Randy Savage, that you're going to be... The new heavyweight champion of the world. Don't you think Hulk Hogan's got a little to uh, say about that?
1: Do you have something to say about it, Hulk Hogan? Do you have something to say to the macho man Randy Savage? Speak your piece right now! I don't hear nothing, no. I don't hear nothing. In fact, I don't think there's nothing that he can say. I, I don't believe he's here. Oh, he's not here! That's too bad, yeah. But when you man-me meet in the ring for the world heavyweight championship belt, let me tell you what's going to happen. No promises. Just guarantees. The Macho Man Randy Savage is gonna win the World Heavyweight Championship belt around my waist. Yeah. You know it's a
0: fact! You know, for you to become a champion of one sort or another here in the near future, I wonder, Macho Man, would that guarantee that I'd be seeing Elizabeth back during these interview sessions?
1: Nothing's a guarantee, no. I'm on my wing now, doing things my way. Yeah! And when I'm the world heavyweight champion, I am going to continue, here, yeah, continue to do things my own way. Hulk Hogan, yeah, the inevitable. The inevitable is that I got your number, and your number is two, yeah. And you're looking at number one. Don't lose your money, man. Get on my good side right now, because you're looking at the world I always thought
0: team. I was on your... You're not on my good
1: side! No. A macho madness bandwagon is going on and on and on and on. And Hulkamania is, yeah... Down here. Well, wait, wait a minute. Surpassed by macho Madness. And that's something that R- everybody's going to have to accept.
0: Randy, I'm getting some bad information because in private conversations I've had with Elizabeth in regards to her tennis game, private she has,
1: to- conversations, she has
0: yes. told me that, that that you think very highly of me.
1: Uh, don't worry about nothing. No personalities coming to effect right now because you're looking at the new world heavyweight champion.
0: Yeah, Hell Hogan.
1: How do you like that?
0: How about it, the Macho Man,
1: Randy
2: Savage. And Savage continues to exclaim how happy he is for the Honky Tonk Man, defeating Ricky Steamboat for that IC title, and Savage again making yet another guarantee that he will wear the WWF Championship. And Savage says that that's a fact. Nostradamus over here, Randy Savage. The Macho Man calling out the champion, Hulk Hogan. Macho Madness has surpassed Hulkamania. Really burying Hogan in this promo here. All these jabs he takes at the champion. It's a wonder Hulk would even come out and help the Macho Man and that whole Mega Powers thing. And that's going to wrap up Wrestling Challenge, so we're off to WW Primetime Wrestling for June 22nd, 1987. Hosted as usual by Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan. In the intro this week, Bobby Heenan showing his love for his latest tag team to join the Heenan family. I'm talking about the Islanders.
8: I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Primetime Wrestling, where we feature the world's greatest professional athletes, the professional wrestlers, of course, of the World Wrestling Federation. And what a lineup. We well, have what this. a feature match we got today. The Islanders against Roma. That's not the feature match. What's wrong with you? Boy, you really came out of the chute. you exploded. That's not the feature at all. What is it? We've got feature? a number of features, and that isn't one of them. Well, the whole card could be a feature. Well, Only we... one stands out. Let's go right to the Islanders. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you're sick. Yeah, I, I swear the thing is stopping the flow of blood to your brain. You're, you're really uh, outrageous today. The feature is a six man, and the Islanders are not involved in it. It's the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis against the British Bulldogs and Billy Jack Haynes, as well as. Maybe your feature. The Intercontinental title match we're going to be looking at Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It's the Honky Tonk Man and you the Colonel. It. You got that right. Plus, but the Islanders. Do we have the Islanders? Yes. Okay, the, the Can Am's against the Shadows. Yes. We okay. have a whole lot of exciting things. Film footage from the press? I have an exciting Ventura, bit of news. even a starring movie. For you. I saved you behind once again with Joe Tetchy up in Boston. I've picked up the tab for you, being that you didn't show. <laughs> you have to pick it up. I got it in my pocket. It's, it was only $137. For what? We had a few family members with him. <laughs> We all had a nice time. What oh, did you do, go to the driving wheel there? <laughs> we had a good time. Opening matches, we stated earlier on, intercontinental I, title on the... It's not the Islanders. No. Let's go to ringside for Ricky the Dragon steamboat. You'll see the Islanders, though. Mark my word on it.
2: Bobby having a lot of fun there. Doing his best to make the Islanders the feature match here this week. Also, another mention of Joe Techy's in Boston by Gorilla Monsoon and gorilla big spender so i wanted to say you have to think he gets a lot of free food there and, and there's probably some dealings going on what kind of dealings i don't know but the gorilla always looking to put over joe tecci in boston an italian restaurant and maybe more located near the boston garden as we roll on the brain sharing his insights on the superstar graham story let's listen
8: well that's what pain really looks like not what you try 13 to put... pounds of weight he's looking for sympathy i'm the one that's hurt they didn't do any five-week film on me or go to the hospital with me. I'd like to see some film on you. I'd like to see the X-rays that were taken. Do you want me to bring them? Yeah, I'd like to. I'll take bring them next him week because I'll have them here next week. As far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. <laughs> well, then you should get a job. Other than you cleaning. don't have both oars in the water most yeah, of the it time. Yeah, look at Superstar. You see that goatee on him? It's like he ate a skunk. Please give me a break. Talk about an interesting individual. Let's I'm hurt. Let's talk. I'm uh, the one. I that's got a agreed. guy that can straighten you don't right touch out. Me. The barber, Brutus Beefcake. He could never make a move towards me, clipping. Clipping. You, clippers you on. need a little clipping back there. put those clippers where you won't hear the motor <laughs> run. And you won't have to worry about wearing that horse collar.
2: And as Bobby and Gorilla talking there, Bobby Heenan agrees to bring his x-rays next week for his neck. Going to prove the injury is legit. He's not gold-bricking. I also love Heenan's uh, comment there on Superstar Graham. His goatee looks like he ate a skunk. And, of course, many years later, Scott Steiner going to show his love for that Billy Graham bleach blonde look as well. But primetime continues on, and finally, we get the matchup. Bobby Heenan was promoting it all episode long, and we finally get it. It's the Islanders, Haku and Tama, scoring a win over the team of Jim Powers and Paul Roma. I believe this was from Madison Square Garden. And we're coming out of that win here right now And this particular soundbite is Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon discuss the Islanders scoring that win. I'm
8: not impressed. <laughs> oh, You have to be impressed. I'm not impressed. You are impressed. If those two guys wrestle like that against k Or against the Ruggios, or against Demolition, or against the Hart Foundation, or the Killer Bees. Forget it. You're on the short end of the stick again. What do you mean? You go home with Because Roman Powers dominated the first half of that match? That was my psychology. I told him, I said, go out there and let's see what those guys got. Toy with them. Play with them. Get yourself a good sweat. Get a good workout. Don't beat them like that. See what they got. Let everybody watch and think that they've got your number. Always come up with some kind of excuse. It's the truth. Truth hurts, don't it? Islanders, to me, uh, the way that they showed me in Madison Square Garden, they're not championship material. Oh, Unfortunately, they are. You will still be envious of the Colonel, the Mouth of the South, for a long time. I'm not time. jealous of you the are. soul. That little pipsqueak as you referred to I me. never
2: referred to him as that. Okay, and so to put context with this, the Islanders over Roma Powers, the match goes nearly 20 minutes. So Garola Monsoon here says he wasn't impressed. Yes, the Islanders got the win, but it took him 20 minutes to do it. Then Bobby Heenan claims, well, he told the Islanders to go break a sweat and see what those guys were made of. So Heenan always has an answer for everything. I loved it here. And the Islanders do pick up the win. As we close out this edition of Primetime Wrestling, going to the outro here, Bobby Heenan once again promising to bring his X-rays next week to the show. He also talks doing the job.
8: Danny Davis uh, takes all those guys to beat a man. Proved to be a detriment to the Hart Foundation and not an asset. I don't believe that. I believe the officiating was what caused them to lose that match. Boy, you've been lost... harping on officiating ever yes. since WrestleMania. Well, it cost me millions of dollars. It cost me my, my your niche and history. Your dream. That's right. My dream and profession. You don't have a title to your name. Yes, I do. The brain. No, I'm talking about within the confines of No, I don't own a belt. Of your family. I don't have any gold. I don't have anything like that. Because everybody's against me. Everybody's been trying to job me out of something. Sounds like a persecution complex to me. I don't know what they think I'm doing to them. No, it's you. Doing it? no, they, <laughs> no, nobody. They, they are persecuting me. They <laughs> are against me. You know, that was that way in school. You see, I always had the a convertible. I always had the cheerleaders. I never had a study. I always made straight A's. I do whatever I want to do. Copied off. I never copied off a soul. Well, folks, that wraps it up for another week here on Primetime Wrestling, and promising us the fountain of misinformation, uh, my co-host Bobby the Brain Heenan says next week, in fact, we will see the neck of the brain, the X-rays. X-rays. Yes, I'll call Miss Betty right now because I don't know. I think there's a lot of disturbing things going on here that really shouldn't make a whole lot of difference as to whether we see the X-rays Yo. or not. Because I don't think that. Uh, what's 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 the problem? You. Somebody in loose... Ow. I, he obviously in pain. Oh, will you help me really put this really back on? Really doesn't need that. Yeah, let me give you a help, little help here. Is that tight enough right there? <laughs> Wait a minute. That, really doesn't need that, folks. He's actually gold-breaking, I'm sure. He makes a good case for himself, but how... <laughs> I cannot get this I'm back sure. on. It leaves a lot to be desired. Until next week, we'll on soon for the goal breaking Bobby the oh. Brain Heenan saying so long, everybody. Will you Have help a good me? one.
2: And the brain proclaims that everybody trying to job Bobby Heenan out of something. I always loved when Heenan would get that word in there. Remember doing the 93 project when he's talking about Yokozuna doing the job to the WWF and Jack Tunney. And he's thrown that word around here a few times in 1987 as well. But nevertheless, the brain promising that the X-rays will be here next week as this injury storyline escalates here on Primetime Wrestling as we're off to the following week, Superstars of Wrestling, June the 27th, also taped back June 2nd. Buffalo, New York Memorial Auditorium, Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary yet again as we're off to the ring to see the new Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Talk Man, Colonel Jimmy Hart in his corner, taking on David Studemeyer. But before the match can start, we get pre-match introductions of Mr. T. And we'll learn that Mr. T is going to become the new enforcer referee here in the World Wrestling Federation, whatever that means, as they tease an altercation. Mr. T entering the ring to a loud ovation from the fans, but the honky-tonk man teases whacking him with his guitar before they have a stare down and a few words exchanged. Mr. T going to take nothing from the honky-tonk man. Fun stuff here for a good reception. Mr. T escorted from the ring, and once the action starts, the honky-tonk man wastes no time putting Studemeyer down with the shake, rattle, and roll neckbreaker. honky tonk man getting the win here in just 23 seconds before he celebrates for the fans. And it was a great quick squash for the new Intercontinental Champion. And obviously, rather than having an actual wrestling match, they used the time in this segment to introduce Mr. T to the live crowd and us at home, leaving Hockey Tonk Man with just enough time to hit his finisher and score the quick win, which I'm not complaining about. As the show rolls on, we're off to update with Craig DeGeorge. He's going to talk to the natural Butch Reed and Slick, who have their thoughts on the potential return of one superstar Billy Graham.
0: From the pages of the World Wrestling Federation magazine, here's Update with Craig DeGeorge.
6: Throughout the past few weeks here in the Special Report, I've been covering the superstar Billy Graham story from his days as the heavyweight champion, to of course that tragic injury, a hip operation, now rehabilitation, and the superstar says he's determined as ever to come back into the World Wrestling Federation. We don't know about that just yet, but we'll find out in the next coming weeks. Slick, your thoughts. You have to be impressed thus far with the determination of the superstar. Well, you know, bro, yeah, I'm going to have to admit that the Slickster is quite impressed because to tell you the truth about it, I didn't think the old dude would even try to make a comeback. I figured his spirits would be broken. But let me tell you something, blood. You remember one thing, Holmes. In your day, you were one of the greatest. But there's
4: a new sheriff in town now, baby. The new breed, the natural. That's right, and I'm not taking
1: no prisoners. Billy Graham... You never in your wildest dreams ever looked like this. Look at that, 22-inch guns, baby. You never had the arms. You never had the deltoids. You never had the pecs. You never had the mentality of the natural, butchery. I'm just a natural man from the tip top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And let me tell you something, Billy Graham. I've known you that surgery. I've seen all this. I've seen you go through your therapy, and now you're trying to go through physical training. But let me tell you something. I don't care about all that. All that's history. You understand? Because now is
6: what's happening. 1987. This is the real deal right here. And everything else is second rate. Well, natural, you know, we've been told that the workouts are now in full gear. No more lightweight for the superstar. We're going to have our cameras there this week. Could we invite you to join us next week
1: and take a look at it? I'd love to go down there and join you so you can compare the
2: old broken down hand been warhorse to the new breed, the new style of man. And the Slickster says he can't believe the old man is attempting to make a comeback. In his day, he was good, but not anymore. Butch Reed flexing for the camera as he says Billy Graham never had a body like the natural. It's funny to see Butch Reed strike a pose like that and then refer to himself, it's natural at the same time. Nevertheless, Butch Reed calling Superstar Graham a broken down warhorse. Reed is the new breed of man around here. And as Craig DeGeorge promises to show off more footage of Superstar Graham next week, Reed says he will return to the program here next week to check it out with DeGeorge. I'm sure he'll share his comments as well. Butch Reed comparing his body to the superstars, and the feud is on. And we are off. That's back to the ring. Coco Beware taking on Jose Estrada as we get an insert promo from the magnificent Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton who denied dissension within their tag team, which really has nothing to do with Coco Beware at all, but I guess they had to get it in. And it's pretty cool to see Estrada back here on WWF TV with just the right opponent too, the flashy and quick Beware. And Jose Estrada versus Coco Beware would be a hell of a fun time on the house shows. And man, does Coco Beware shine here like never before. Pair of flying head scissors, great fast offense all throughout. Estrada, just an amazing bumper here. And this match, just as I remembered, so underrated was Jose Estrada. where eventually missing a corner splash, but he's right back on top, nailing the missile drop kick, delivering the Ghostbuster, getting the win here in one minute and 55 seconds. And man, I can't say it enough. Jose Estrada was awesome in his spot here. Glad to see him back and so glad. That he got thrown a bone with the Conquistadors gimmick. Is it his interview time yet again. Mean Gene Oakland standing by. We're going to hear from Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid. It's the British Bulldogs.
0: Everybody, and I mean everybody, camping on the doorstep of the Hart Foundation, the current tag team champions of the world. And most assuredly, this team has got to be cons- uh, considered right now the number one contending tag team here at the World Wrestling Federation. Dynamite Kid, come on in. Davy Boy Smith, they are the British Bulldogs. David and Dynamite, there are so many tag teams today. The Islanders, the Rajos, the Killer Bees, the new Dream Team, Demolition. That list goes on and on, and I've never seen quite such a competitive situation when it comes to tag teams here in the World Wrestling Federation.
9: That's right, Mean Gene. You've got all the tag team combinations, Gunning for the Hurt Foundation. You've got the Killer Bees, the Can-Am, Demolition, Seeker and Kamala. You've got them all, Mean Gene. But you've also got the British Bulldogs the ex tag team champions of the world, and we're going after those Hart Foundation. We're going to chase them all over the United States, no matter what, which turn it is or what night it is, mean, Gene. One day we're going to get them down in one of these arenas, I'm going to beat them. I'm going to take those belts back. You know,
0: Dynamite, as we reflect over the past five or six months, it's been about that long since you lost it. a very controversial decision those belts to the Hart Foundation down at Tampa, Florida. It seems now, though, that you're getting over the shock of it all. I know initially it was really a, a tough. Killed a swallow, so to speak.
9: That's right, me and Gene. We went to the bottom of the ladder, and now we're climbing back up that ladder. Like David Boyd said, there's all kinds of strong teams in the wrestling federation today. There's the Islanders, the Demolitions, the can Connection. The Rujo brothers, but it doesn't matter whether we wrestle the Canams, the Rujos, the Demolitions, Sika, Kamala. It does not matter to the British Bulldogs. We'll use each team as a stepping stone and finally we're going to get there, we're going to arrive, we're going to sign a contract for the Haar Foundation for those World Tag Team Championship belts. And when we get in that ring mean, Gene, we mean business. We're not going to go in there, sit back, and let them beat us like they did in Tampa, Florida. We're going to go in there, out-wrestle them, embarrass them, humiliate them, take those belts back, and put right around the British Bulldogs' waist, and Matilda's going to be right there at ringside watching. You know, uh, gentlemen, I wonder if we could address this subject. I talk to a lot of people,
0: fans and experts alike, and they say that because of the high-flying, rough-and-tumble style of the British Bulldogs, the wear and tear truly... It's starting to show. What about that, David?
9: Um, it's done. I don't think it's done to show, Mean Gene. The British Bulldogs are in the best shape of our life. That's why we're climbing right up to that top of that ladder again where we, where we, where we left off. And we're going to get those heart foundation. And we're going to get that Danny Davis who helped take those belts away from us. And you know get something, me Mean me Gene? Yeah. You, you're talking about us high flying, doing dangerous things. Well, all you British Bulldog wrestling fans, you've not seen nothing yet. All right, I thank you. Do me a favor, will you guys? Say
0: hi to Matilda for me. And I she will, she she I will like the Gina. little rascal. She said hello to
9: you too, Gene. She did. Yeah, she did. Mm,
0: that's good. Thank you, they are. The British Bulldogs, one of the greatest teams in all of professional wrestling. Thank
2: you. you. Too. And the Bulldogs just not going to let that tag title loss go. They're still gunning for those tag team titles in the Hart Foundation and Matilda getting heavy play as well at this point as the mascot of the British Bulldogs. And we're back to the ring for the one-man gang with the Doctor of Style Slick in his corner, taking on Eric Cooper as Mr. T now joins commentary. Guest commentary here by Mr. T for this upcoming gang bout. And this is where T announces that he has been brought in as a special guest enforcer referee for the World Wrestling Federation moving forward, as Jesse Ventura tells Vince McMahon that he's lucky to be sitting in between two major Hollywood movie stars in Mr. T and of course, Jesse Ventura. As for the action, the one-man gang attacks, which leads to a, wait a minute, Master Blaster. We're not back to this, are we? It is the Master Blaster and then the Middle Rope Elbow Drop. The one-man gang scoring the win over Eric Cooper here in two minutes and 30 seconds. And it's kind of odd because we saw the Gord Buster, which was recorded the day before on Superstars tapings, and now here a day later on the Wrestling Challenge tapings, the gang back to using that Master Blaster finisher. Though, if I'm not mistaken, I do believe this is the final time we'll see this before it's all Gord Buster all the time. And speaking of time, it's finally time and you guys knew it was coming, it's time for our very first vignette of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. For all you
10: people out there who aren't familiar with me, let me introduce myself. I'm Ted DiBiase, I'm the Million Dollar Man. And you know, as I travel around this fair country of ours, I run into a lot of people who aren't happy with the way I spend my money. They say that money is the root of all evil. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not. Because you see, with enough of this right here, I can buy anything. I can have anything I want. I can buy happiness. I can buy love. And if I want to, I can even buy you. Case in point, my man Virgil. Isn't that right, Virgil? Yes, sir. Virgil takes care of all of life's little problems that I don't have time to take care of anymore. And you see, if you've got a problem with me, Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, or the way that I spend my money, you're just going to have to take it up with Virgil. Ow! Virgil, I've cut my finger. I need medical attention. Get me to a doctor right now. Virgil, get me to a doctor. Get me to a doctor. Yes, sir. Nurse, I need immediate medical attention. I've hurt my finger, and I need to see a doctor now.
4: Sir, I'm sorry. You've got to have an appointment.
10: Oh, wait. You don't understand. I'm Ted DiBiase. I'm the million-dollar man. I don't need an appointment.
4: Sir, I've got sick people here waiting to see the doctor. You've got to make an appointment.
10: Virgil, can I see a doctor now?
9: No,
3: sir.
10: Virgil, can I get some attention for this finger now?
3: Sir, I'm sorry.
10: Virgil, can I get a Band-Aid for this finger now? Let me see what I can do, Yeah. Hey, don't be upset with her. She did the same thing that anybody else in her position would have done. She did the same thing that you would have done. She had her price just like each and every one of you have your price. Everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man.
2: And there it was, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, sitting in the back of his personal limo. As we see the million dollar man counting his money as he laughs and explains that he can buy happiness, he can buy love, and he can even buy any one of us that he wants. Essentially everybody has a price for the million dollar man. And we also meet DiBiase's chauffeur/slash bodyguard here. Say hello to <laughs> Virgil, who actually speaks here, to my surprise. And while talking, Ted Debiasi gets a paper cut from counting his money and immediately orders Virgil to drive him to the nearest medical facility, pal. And as they get to that front desk, the registration lady, realizing it's a paper cut, simply no emergency, tells DiBiase to have a seat and wait his turn in line. But that didn't sit well, with the million-dollar man who offers the lady a hundred-dollar bill, which she kindly slides back. Virgil snaps him off a a second hundred-dollar bill, two Benjamins here, two hundred dollars. But the lady, still not going to sell out here. To the million dollar man, she's she simply has too much integrity. But I spoke too soon, guys, because here it was $300 from the million dollar man, and the lady says she'll see what she can do. Implying Ted DiBiase has found her price $300 for a band aid. Ted then turns, breaks the fourth wall, looking into the camera, and tells us not to be upset with that lady. She had her price, just like each and every one of us at home has our price. You see, because everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. What a fucking awesome asshole gimmick. And that got Ted a lot of heat with some of the boys initially as well, but was essentially molded from the Vince McMahon character himself. Bruce Pritchard's told the stories in the past. I won't get into all of that. You guys can do the deep dive and go back and check out one of the very first editions of the the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast, where he talks all about the Inception the invention, the creation of the Million Dollar Man character, Vince McMahon, believing truly in himself that everybody has a price. Pritchard even uh, relating some stories where he witnessed Vince McMahon buying some people off to prevent them from smoking on planes when that was a thing and, and yada yada. So it's just really interesting here that it's been described in the past by Dave Meltzer and the Observers heading into this that it's a rich playboy type character a la Ric Flair mixed with Vince McMahon who does truly believe that he can buy anything and anyone. And I say DiBiase took heat from the boys, and he's, he's told this story many times himself that when he got there, Vince told him, you're only going to wear the finest clothes. You're only going to stay at the finest hotels. You're only going to eat at the finest restaurants. And he's, and he's got all this money given to him to spend it at his leisure so that he can continue to put over his million-dollar man character in front of the fans, in front of the people worldwide. And you can imagine all the uh, other wrestlers probably weren't too happy with that. But he lucked into the spot and really no man more deserving than someone like a Ted DiBiase at the time who was, by all accounts, one of the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest promos, and certainly has proven one of the greatest heels in the business. And he just looked apart, did a great job here. I love the vignette. There's plenty more to come, as you guys already know. But vignette number one in the books, and it really establishes this character as a complete asshole. He gets a paper cut. Now, I know, money's pretty nasty. Perhaps he was worried about catching something. I'm not really sure what the situation was there, but... He wants assistance. He's told to wait in line for his paper cut to be taken care of. And then, of course, paying off the lady $300 for what? Nothing more than a mere Band-Aid. But the vignettes will go on. I look forward to them, And we continue on as we can now enjoy the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase in our lives here in the World Wrestling Federation. And we're off back to the ring six-man tag team action featuring Brutus the Barber Beefcake teaming with Jacques and Raymond Rougeau taking on the team of Jimmy Jack Funk johnny canine and iron mike sharp and this is the funker making his final rounds here on wwf tv as we get an insert promo from the new dream team and Lush's johnny v they say they'll never have their hair cut by brutus the barber beefcake well johnny v a little too late for that as the beefer and jimmy jack funk appear to mess up a leapfrog early on in the matchup the barber handles business taking over on the offense the rujos then come in with a double drop kick from opposite sides of the head of johnny canine but Jacques winds up over in the heel corner, and that heel trio going to take over on Jacques briefly here, before K9 misses a diving headbutt on Jacques Rougeau. Brutus Beefcake tagging back in, delivering his backbreaker move, and then it's Le Bon de Rougeau finishing Canine off in just three minutes and three seconds, and then post-match, Iron Mike Sharp attacking Brutus and company, but he gets a little trim for his troubles by the barber. As the Rougeaus try and hold Iron Mike down, he escapes from the ring with just a snippet of his hair gone, but I bet he was showering for hours after that haircut. And it's good to see they're at least attempting to put Brutus along with the Rujos, since they're all feuding with the same tag team. And we did see the Rujos come to Brutus' aid in recent weeks as well on TV. And we're off to the snake pit with the Heenan family, at least the members we saw in that eight-man tag team matchup. And it starts with Bobby Heenan introducing them one at a time out here, Hercules, King Harley Race, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and King Kong Bundy. But wait, he said the entire Heenan family. Where's Where's Andre? Where's the Islanders? Come on. Fact of the matter is, I don't know if all of them could fit on the snake pit at the same time. But Bobby Heenan proclaims from this day forward, those who try and take advantage of the brain or his family will pay dearly for it. And it'll all start with that ex-con, Ken Patera. Choice words from the brain there. I wouldn't want to be Ken Patera right now as we're off to another interview. This time, me and Gene Oakland are going to have a word with Dangerous Danny Davis. All right,
0: hi again, everybody. Mean Gene Okerlund, thanking you for joining us here on the Superstars of Wrestling. A man that has put a big dent in this organization over the past few months is the newest member of the Hart Foundation, certainly no stranger to those of you viewing this television program. He refereed for a number of years in the World Wrestling Federation. Now he happens to be one of the more promising professional wrestlers. I don't really know how you do it, Danny Davis, but you have put it together. I'll grant you that.
7: Oh, thank you very much. For once, you came out here and you said something that made sense.
0: You know, I think I should point out, though, for the record, in case somebody is tuning in and has not followed the Danny Davis story, I said you refereed, you officiated in the World Wrestling Federation for quite some time. However, you got embroiled in controversy after controversy. All of a sudden, World Wrestling Federations no longer could take Danny Davis as a referee. As a result, you were terminated. You were fired. You were 86 by President Jack Tunney.
7: Well, Mr. Tunney, thank you very much. (laughs) He's done me a favor. The best thing that happened to me in my life is when he fired me as a referee. And now, anybody out there who wants to wrestle Dangerous Danny Davis, anybody, I'm going to do to you what I've done to Coco Beware... George Steele, Tito Santana, and the list goes on and on. Dangerous Danny Davis is here to stay. Count on it.
0: At the risk of sounding negative, there's a number of very prominent men of the World Wrestling Federation who would like a piece of Danny Davis. They want a, they want a piece Jack of your Tunney life. Let Jack
7: Tunney set him up. Let Jack Tunney make him sign on the dotted line, and Dangerous Danny Davis will face him anytime, anywhere. But I'm going to tell you something, all of you, And there's a lot of jealousy and animosity out there about Dangerous Danny
2: Davis,
0: but you got to face me, and I'm going to defeat you. All right, Danny Davis, he is the newest member of the Hart Foundation. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
2: Danny Davis, for a guy who has nothing going on, has a lot going on, right? He's working with Coco Beware, Tito Santana, George Steele. He's going to have issues with Mr. T coming in to to become a referee. So Danny Davis has a lot of issues with a lot of people, but it's just not really translating here, at least not yet. And We're back to the ring. We heard what Heenan had to say, and now we see him in action. It's Kim Patera taking on Cowboy Frankie Lane, and we see the entire Heenan family again watching from the entrance curtain. That can't be good. And after what we heard from Bobby Heenan on the snake pit, Kenny better watch himself out here as it's a quick squash this week. Kim Patera landing the backbreaker and then a big body toss launches Frankie Lane across the ring. Really great power there. Strength from Kim Patera, dropping Lane in the backbreaker, never dropping him though, never releasing him, picking him back up to a vertical position and then body tossing him across the ring before it's the bear hug submission hold. Going to get the win here for Patera in one minute and 39 seconds, but post-match, all four members of the Heenan family that we saw earlier surrounding the ring on all four sides, climbing into the ring, very eerily similar to what we would see many years later from the likes of The Shield, but this time it's Hercules, Harley Race, Mr. Wonderful, King Kong Bundy, yikes, all climbing into the ring. Kenny trying to fight all four men off, but there's just too many Orndor finally clotheslining Patera down, and Bundy delivering a big elbow drop. And then all four men stomping away at Patera, stomping him down, and then holding him across the middle rope while the entire Heenan family take turns using Bobby Heenan's belt. A little revenge coming up whipping the back of Kim Patera. Bundy specifically really laying them in across the back of Patera before symbolically placing the belt around the neck of Patera after the beating. Loud Hulk Hogan chant. Hogan. Oh, again, throughout this angle, but he's nowhere to be found. Can you say coward? Brother. But this beatdown, it goes on for a decent chunk of time before the Heenan family finally calls it quits. As more officials finally arrive to the ring, Patera with welts all over his back in an attempt to heat up this storyline here. But I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it after such a long, lengthy beatdown of Patera. I mean, it just felt like it went on forever. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It was just like, you kept waiting for that someone to come out and make the save, and nobody ever shows up. It just felt really weird here. Does Kim Patera really have no friends in the World Wrestling Federation? We'll have more on that at the end of the show, as we're now treated to even more Predator footage here this week. Vince McMahon suggests that Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers are the real stars of Predator, but Jesse Ventura begs to differ here, so it's even more Jesse Ventura footage shown here this week for the Predator movie and the WWF doing their job and getting it out there, but Pretty sure that was a box office success either way. And then it's back to the ring for Axe and Smash Demolition. Mr. Fuji in their corner, taking on the team of Jerry Allen and Lanny Poffo. Poffo, again with a poem, Trash Talking Demolition, and i will likely pay for that before this one's over. And I wrote, God, this theme is awesome. Axe and Smash, they don't have the lyrics yet added to the theme, but even the instrumental, just badass theme music for Demolition. As we get an insert promo from the demos, they say it's search and destroy, total annihilation when Demolition step into the ring, and I will have to agree as the demo's first work over Jerry Allen, smash with a nasty hot shot. I've seen this spot before, this, uh, this exact spot on Jerry Allen, and what a nasty shot he takes across that top rope here from Demolition smash before Lanny Poffo tags in, dropkicking both Demolition and both men not even bothering to take a bump, barely budging from the Lanny Poffo dropkicks. Paying for that poem, no doubt. As I've actually seen the demolition bump for the Young stallion, so that's saying a lot. And it doesn't take long from there. It's the demolition decapitation on Lanny Poffo. Told you he'd pay. And the demo's going to get the win here in about two minutes and 20 seconds. Jesse Ventura on commentary has a great quip at the end of that one. Lanny Poffo eating that demolition decapitation. Jesse Ventura says, Let's see him write a poem about that. Ha! Great heel shit there from the body. As we roll on, Mean Gene Oakland standing by, oh boy, Billy Jack Haynes, here for this interview.
0: All right, stay tuned. We're going to get you back up into the ring here in just a moment or two for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. A gentleman that I've really gotten to appreciate over the past nearly a year and now, Billy Jack Haynes, Portland, Oregon, 255 pounds, truly one of the great superstars here in the World Wrestling Federation. Billy Jack, it really has to amaze you as it does, I'm certain, millions of fans all over the world, all around the world, just how great the level of competition is in the World Wrestling Federation. They've got the best here. None better anywhere in the world.
11: You're 100% right, Gene, and I want to also compliment you, too. You're the the finest announcer in professional wrestling today, and um, I'm proud to be in the World Wrestling Federation standing here next to you.
0: Well, Billy, I I appreciate that. Let's talk about some of the men. Well, I thank you. Let's talk about some of the men that uh, lately you have been going up against i'm not going to mention the macho man randy savage because his life is a little haywire right now but what about this hercules what an awesome force this man is you have to agree on that on that point point.
11: 100 uh i've never never said he wasn't gene the guy uh bench pressed over 500 pounds uh just one thing uh, hercules and the heenan family uh he's got a tough crew there let's face it oh, sure. bundy orndorf hercules race you name it, he's got it. But Hercules' score isn't settled yet in WrestleMania three. No sense screaming and yelling. It's already out in the open. You put forty stitches in my head, but I still stand here talking, Gene. I want him very bad.
0: You know, Billy, I've got a am not going to sit here and 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 uh, you know just pay you compliment after compliment. But I must say your physique is phenomenal. You've got to do a lot of working out. Uh, I understand you have a gym now back home in Oregon that uh, that you're working on. Do you get to spend some time there?
11: Uh, Not much, but uh, the grand opening, Gene, will be uh, September 13th on Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. I'm in the best shape of my life. Don't smoke, drink, or take drugs. Encourage your kids to do all the same.
0: All right, he's a great one. He's Billy Jack Haynes, and stay tuned. We're going to be right back.
2: Billy Jack Haynes has a lot of things going on, but a feud is not one of them. He seems to have subsided with the mighty Hercules, but Billy Jack Haynes, he's opening his own gym. A a nice calmer uh, Billy Jack Haynes here this week when he's talking, but of course, he's going to have other issues. and. He's going to back up Kim Patera in the future and things like that as well. Fellow Oregonian, Oregonian, however you say it, I'm not really sure. But at least they're keeping Billy Jack on TV. As we close out Superstars, speaking of Billy Jack Haynes, we see both Haynes and Brutus Beefcake tending to the injured Kim Patera backstage as the camera shows off the welts across the back. The welts from the belt shots that Patera took. Those are legit, guys. Those straps all across the back of Kim Patera here. As we close out this edition of Superstars, no doubt Kim Patera Madder than ever going to look for revenge against that entire Heenan family. And we move on to WWE Wrestling Challenge, June the 28th, taped June 3rd. Rochester, New York War Memorial. Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary. And again, the Federates bringing Bobby Heenan up to his announce desk. He needs that help with that injured neck, of course. And we're off to the ring for the Macho Man, Randy Savage, accompanied by the lovely Miss Elizabeth, taking on David Studemeyer. But again, like we saw with the Honky Tonk Man recently, before the match can begin ring announcer Mel Phillips introduces Mr. T. And Mr. T gonna be that new special enforcer here in the WWF, getting introduced to the Wrestling Challenge fans prior to our opening match here this week. And the Macho Man a little upset that Mr. T taking up his time in the ring, T getting a huge ovation yet again, but the Macho Man turning his back to Mr. T when T looking for a handshake, and it upsets the former A-Team actor, former Clubber Lang. I pity the fool. Mr. T not happy with the fact The Randy Savage won't acknowledge him, demanding that he turn around. Even if he won't shake his hand, he should at least acknowledge the existence of Mr. T in the ring. But the Macho Man will do no such thing, and the officials have to escort Mr. T away from ringside here. And as the match gets going, the Macho Man attacking David Studemeyer to start the matchup, and then it's right in the flying elbow. Savage then placing his foot on the chest of Studemeyer, going to get the win here in just 35 seconds. Even kept his sunglasses and headband on for this one. And I always love when he does that. So the match probably would have went a little longer, much like that Honky Tonk Man match we saw on Superstars. But they spent a lot of this segment bringing Mr. T out for the big announcement that lasts all of about a couple months. But once again, they spent most of this segment introducing Mr. T. So we go right into the finish. The Macho Man Elbow picking up the win here this week. And we're off to Wrestler's Rebuttal with Craig DeGeorge this week. It's the Junkyard Dog. Back here in the World Wrestling Federation, JYD, he didn't return without a new motto, he says. Dog's new motto, he's a fightin' and a bitin'. Boy, that really caught on. From there, JYD teaching DeGeorge how to juke, do a little dance, do some stanky leg there, from Craig DeGeorge. And yes, it's true, JYD back in the WWF, and we're off to the ring. For competitive action, it would seem this week, Greg the Hammer Valentine, he's accompanied by Dino Bravo. Oddly, no luscious Johnny V in his corner. It's Greg Valentine, accompanied by his partner Bravo, taking on Raymond Rougeau, with Jacques Rougeau in his corner. As we get an insert promo from Brutus the Barber Beefcake, he continues to talk about cutting the hair of the new dream team. As Bravo distracts the Rujos to start and Valentine attacking from behind, dropping a big elbow across the chest of Ramon. But Ray comes back, countering a figure four with an inside cradle, but the hammer right back on top, putting a stop to the comeback. It goes right after Ray's leg yet again. Valentine, though, makes the mistake of climbing the ropes. We you don't see that every week. Greg Valentine on the top rope, but Rujo overmeets him. With a big slam, slamming the hammer off the top rope, and Rougeau landing a sunset flip. Gets himself a two count there, but Ray Rougeau off the ropes, getting tripped up on the outside by Dino Bravo, leading to Greg Valentine, this time locking in the figure four leg lock. But Jacques, not happy with the interference, rushes into the ring to break up the hold. Bravo rushing into the ring as well, causing, I imagine, a double disqualification. Mel Phillips refers to it as a no contest here. Either way, no winner. Match goes about three minutes and 11 seconds as we get a four-way melee. Raymond Rougeau down on the mat as the new Dream Team working over Jacques. Ray finally back in to make the save. And where was Brutus Beefcake for this one? Remember the Rujos came out and they say Brutai? Beefer doesn't even mention them in his promos. He doesn't bother to come out and help them in these issues. To quote the Hurricane, what's up with that? And as show goes on, we got another soundbite queued up for you here this week. Interview time with another member of the Heenan family. We're going to talk to the mighty Hercules.
0: All right, hi again, everybody. Mean Gene here. wrestling challenge underway. And come on in, Hercules from Tampa, Florida. He is a member of the very prominent Bobby Heenan family. And, of course, uh, some of your cohorts, the King Harley race, Mr. Paul Orndorff, Uh King Kong Bundy, that list goes on and on. Bobby Heenan, by your own admission, Hercules, you feel has done a great deal for you.
1: Bobby Heenan has to be the smartest Manager in professional wrestling today. He's got everything on the move. The family has never been stronger. Look at what you got. You got Hercules, the strongest man in wrestling today. Look at me, Mean Gene. I'm in the best shape of my life. You put on a
0: pound or two, haven't you? I've been
1: in the gym every single day. There's nothing on my mind but getting in that ring. Taking care of Billy Jack Haynes. Things aren't over between us. Everybody knows that. And that Ken Patera. He's going to have to pay for what he did to Bobby Heenan. And I don't care where I have to go or what I have to do. Kim Patera's going to pay.
0: You know, Hercules, you like the other members of the Bobby Heenan family... You virtually worship Bobby the Brain Heenan. You do believe that the man is a genius, don't you?
1: Bobby Heenan is a genius, and you can't take it away from him. Look at ever since he became my manager, title shots I've had, and the men the caliber of the men that I've stepped into the ring with, bar none the greatest in the world. And what did I do to every single one of them with Bobby Heenan guiding me? I've left them all in defeat, and I'm still here today.
0: I'd go along with that. uh, Save one... The heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan still wears the belt.
1: Everybody knows my legacy and the destiny of Hercules is to become the world champion. Hulk Hogan knows that too.
0: I thank you very much. He is the mighty Hercules.
2: That's pretty much the nail in the coffin here for the hercules Haynes feud. No mention of Haynes whatsoever in that promo, but rather Kim Patera says Patera will pay for what he did to Bobby Heenan. The Heenan family is stronger than ever. I'll say with the Islanders, Rick Rude coming in. And of course, what we just saw them do to Ken Patera on Superstars. As we get a replay of the Million Dollar Man vignette, number one here on Wrestling Challenge, and then back to the ring tag team action. The Can-Am connection taking on the team of Terry Gibbs and Jimmy Jack Funk in what could be the Funkers' last matchup, I'm not really sure, but he still has both eyes here, so Haku hasn't gotten a hold of him just yet. And it's fun double team spots here as usual from the Can-Ams. They continue to add to their repertoire almost every week, and when I say double team, I don't mean a double this or a double that. I mean, fluid motion. One guy doing one thing, setting up or leading to the other partner doing something completely different, really getting their timing down and their teamwork together to that next level. And with the Rockers now canceled as coming in after this very set of tapings, the can Amps may be the best team as far as teamwork goes in the WWF right now. Certainly innovative, very different, great timing, as I said, and a double dropkick. Since Jimmy Jack Funk out to the floor. Rick Martell then back inside with an abdominal stretch on Terry Gibbs. But the Funker with a little revenge when the illegal Funk blasts Martell with a clothesline to take control for the heels. Jimmy Jack with a shoulder breaker on Martell, getting himself a two count there. Eventually though, Martell counters a neck breaker with a suplex. And it's hot tag time to Tom Zink as the Can-Am Connection used that poetry in motion, that flying back elbow from Martell off of the back of Tom Zink. And then it's again the bear hug missile dropkick combo used here for the finisher again this week to finish off Terry Gibbs. The Can-Am's picking up the win in three minutes and 45 seconds, and the way Zink lands on these, these flying dropkicks off the top rope, it was only a matter of time before he breaks something. Really dangerous. Talk about throwing caution to the wind. Although I guess he won't have to worry about that too much longer. And with the Can-Am's putting a feud against the Islanders, you have to wonder what the plan was, the long-term plan was here for the tag team titles. As it's promo time yet again here this week on Challenge, Mean Gene Oakland standing by. Man, this guy's everywhere. I think it's our third promo this week from Danny Davis.
0: All right, stay tuned. We've got more exciting action coming up here in just a moment or two when we return to the ring. Here's a gentleman that's quite a mystery, man. Danny Davis, come on in. A lot of people don't know where you're from or where you're going, for that matter. I do know one thing. You acquired a great deal of wealth as a referee in the World Wrestling Federation. You were terminated by our distinguished president, Jack Tunney, for... Your inability to call a a decent match. But now you're a professional wrestler. How much, how how does a guy have a a million and a quarter home in Westchester County
7: on a referee's
0: salary? How do you do it?
7: That's That's a bit of an exaggeration, Gene. Let me tell you something. Jack Tunney fired me, and he did me a favor. Thank you, Jack Tunney. You didn't realize what you were doing, but I knew what he was doing. And when I first got fired, I was a little worried. And Jimmy Hart took me under his wing.
0: Oh, Jimmy Brett Hart. And
7: Jim came stepped into the picture and taught me
0: how to wrestle.
7: The two greatest wrestlers in the rest, World Wrestling Federation today. And then Jack Tenney said, well, let's put Danny Davis to the test. Let's put Coco Beware, one of the best there is against Dangerous Danny Davis. Let's put Tito Santana against him. Let's put George the, the Animal Steel, Steel against him. And what happened? What happened? Dangerous Danny Davis has met and defeated... Quite a few people.
0: <laughs> Wait a minute, I should point out, you blasted George the Animal Steel on Saturday night's main event. You blasted him on the side of the head with a with a 20-pound steel bell.
7: Well, I got his attention.
0: You know... <laughs> you have got his attention all right.
7: You're exactly right. I got his attention. And all these people that have been wrestling me can't believe it. And as a referee, as you mentioned, I disappointed a lot of people for my actions. And now I'm disappointing a lot more people. Everybody thinks every time I sign a match that I'm going to get beat up bloodied, maimed, but it doesn't happen.
0: <laughs> and a Maserati. The guy also drives a Maserati. He's got this going for him. We're going to be right back. Don't go away.
2: So Meanjing questioning the former referee's wealth while he was a WWE official, some of the things he owned, his house, his cars, things of that nature, implying that Danny Davis was quote unquote on the take, if you will, getting paid to look the other way in matches when he was a referee. But Davis points out That's all in the past. He's a great wrestler now. He claims he's already defeated the likes of Coco Beware, Tito Santana, and George the Animal Steel. Well, I I suppose those names are a good start. I just don't know that the list ever gets any bigger. And because it was so successful the first time, we get a replay of George the Animal Steel once again visiting the WWF Ice Cream Bar Factory because we needed more of that in our life. And then it's back to the ring, six-man tag team action involving the Heenan family And they'll be taking on the team of Don Driggers, Dusty Wolf, and, well, it's referred to online as Rick Renslow is the third man here. This is definitely not Rick Renslow, not even close. Way too tall, just a completely different guy. So it's Don Driggers, Dusty Wolf, and somebody I didn't get the name of. And had I looked at it or cared enough, I probably would have figured out who it was, but I didn't. I just want you guys to know if you're you're going off of listings online, this is not Rick Renslow, to say the least. So we get Johnny V on commentary here rocking a No Brutus Beefcake shirt in the fashion of the Ghostbusters logo. It's the word beefcake with a X over it, or a red slash, if you will. I wrote Beefcake Busters? Although they might have gotten sued for that. And again, it's Hercules and Harley Race out first with Bobby the Brain Heenan before the Brain introduces the return of Mr. Wonderful here on Wrestling Challenge. Mr. Wonderful, the third member of the Heenan family here this week for action, Hercules and Race working over Driggers early on to start with a lack of crowd response for either man. Race delivers a power slam and a good-looking suplex, but then they make the tag to Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf, and the crowd changes to anger and fire, very loud. They go from nearly silent to these loud boos, and actually even mixed in with applause from some of the fans. You can't deny the greatness of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf. I've said that before. And Paul about clotheslines Mancini's head off, for allowing him to tag back to Driggers. And it's the Orndorf pile driver on Don Driggers, going to get the win in two minutes and 19 seconds. Another showcase for the returning Paul Orndorf, who is as over as ever with the crowd here. Incredible heel heat for Mr. Wonderful. And that third guy, that unnamed third man here on the opposing team, never even tagged into the match. And as the show moves on, well, he was the star of the A team and apparently the star of WrestleMania's one and two as well according to Craig did George speaking to George he's standing by it's an interview with Mr T it is a sincere
6: pleasure and honor to welcome my next guest you know him as the star of the 18 the star of course of WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2 and the word is out that the World Wrestling Federation is looking for an official who is an enforcer an official who wrestlers respect an official who could perhaps use some brute strength to separate the wrestlers with that in mind it's a real pleasure to welcome Mr T the one and the only. Nice to meet
1: you. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure being in WWF.
6: Tell us about the enforcer, Mr. T. That's right, that's
1: right. They, they need a man to take care of business. I'm the man, so you can start calling me Mr. E. Cause I'll get in there. Push the Rustlers aside if necessary. If wrestler give me a hard time, i hit him outside the head with his little stick, put him in the full Nelson, or throw him out the ring. I'm the man for the job.
6: So is this cast in stone now? That's right, that's right.
1: I'm the man. There's nobody can do the job like me. That's why they called me. I prepared myself. I've been chopping down trees, doing push ups, sit ups. You know I'm ready. You seen what I did to Rocky? You seen me in
6: WrestleMania 1 and 2. Danny Davis, beware. The enforcer is coming back to town.
2: That's right. And so now Mr. T is Mr. E, Mr. Enforcer here in the World Wrestling Federation. We'll have to see where this goes. The George telling Danny Davis, of all people, to beware of Mr. T. And you got to think with all this play up of Danny Davis being a former referee, Mr. T, a new enforcer referee, all the promos we're going to see back and forth and all of this and that, you got to think there was an end game to all this between Mr. T and Danny Davis. Was it a Saturday night's main event plan? Was, was it a house show run? What was the end game plan for this? Or did they even really have an idea of where they wanted to go? I don't know. But clearly, trying to build up something here for Danny Davis to do with Mr. T. So again, I said they should have given Davis some kind of more of a gimmick thing to do here in the WWF. This may have been it, had it had the opportunity to play out. The crowd would have eaten it up, no doubt about it. Mr. T launching Danny Davis all around the ring. But for now, it's back to the ring with Outlaw Ron Bass, now with Miss Betsy in his corner. No, that's not a person. It's a thing. It's his bullwhip, Miss Betsy, taking on Cowboy Frankie Lane here. So a couple of cowboys will an outlaw and a Cowboy, Ron Bass squaring off against Frankie Lane. Sadly, Bass, he doesn't even get an intro here, just already standing in the ring. The introductions have already been made before we even cut back to the ring. But at the end of the day, he does have Miss Betsy now. As we get an insert promo, Ron Bass explaining why he brings Miss Betsy to ringside now. At least I think that's what he's doing. And before the match can get going, Cowboy Frankie Lane gets a hold of Miss Betsy here, but he pays dearly for it. And it's Ron Bass's version of the pedigree hold, sans the double underhook. Going to get the win here for the Outlaw in just two minutes and 34 seconds. And then post-match cracking Miss Betsy. Got to love the sound of a whip. And I have nothing against Ron Bass, but what a poor choice of a match to end a TV taping. Crowd was absolutely dead here for it. But but Bass being gifted a gimmick like Miss Betsy has at least quote-unquote catapulted him onto syndicated TV. No more just wrestling on primetime for the Outlaw here. And he wasn't even really bad here. Just outdated and bland in the gimmick and the offense. But nevertheless, Ron Bass goes from promoting a branding iron. He's going to start bringing a branding iron to the ring. We just saw that a week or two ago on TV. And here we are the next time we see Ron Bass. We've already traded in the branding iron for Old Miss Betsy. Now, not going to complain about that too much, but I still would have loved to have seen the outlaw use the branding iron at least for a few months. And, of course, we know the Spurs, they're on their way. And because the upset win was so important, we go back to superstars retreated to a replay of the Killer Bees, scoring a win over the Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation, of course the match non-title, but it should put the Bees in line for a Tag Team title shot as we close out this edition of Wrestling Challenge. Me and Gene Oakland again standing by with Billy Jack Haynes.
0: Well, I wanted to save a little time here during the course of this hour so I could spend it with truly one of the great superstars of the World Wrestling Federation Here's from Portland Oregon, Billy Jack Haynes come on in somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred and fifty five pounds and Billy I know you're looking better than ever, and you 've got to be in tip top condition to compete in this in this great league Billy first of all, congratulations in early fall of this year you're going to be opening up Billy Jack Haynes Oregon City gym in Oregon City out in your your home territory
11: right I live in oregon city in uh... It's a lifetime dream for me to own my own gym, and the grand opening will be September 13th and Sunday in the Janderson Oregon City Mall, and just look at, you know, all the details on that, thank you. You
0: know, as far as uh, pumping an iron, you know, you go through quite a regimen, and I wonder if you'd just take a minute or two and explain to our vast television audience what you do doing during the course of a, of a day of a week to keep yourself in great shape.
11: Well, me and Gene, you know, in uh, the World Wrestling Federation, bar none is the finest talent of professional wrestlers in the world, uh, we do a lot of uh, you know traveling on the road, uh, but we can work out about five, six days a week. I work out myself an hour and a half a day, six days a week. And you have to. These guys, they're humongous, they're strong, they're fast, everything involved in it. And it's, the league here is unbelievable, the World Wrestling Federation.
0: I think now I think we can get specific, and I'm going to bring up a couple of names. First of all, some unfinished business for you. That's a holdover from WrestleMania three And that biggest ever indoor sporting event at the Pontiac Silverdome, when you met Hercules and certainly that cannot be one of the high spots of your career.
11: No, it can't. Uh, there's no saying what goes around comes around Hercules. Uh, you know, his manager Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, kind of sidetracked me there, and I got nailed from behind. It was my own fault for not paying attention. Uh, I'm not going to put Hercules down, uh, me and Gene. The guy's six foot two, about 270 pounds of solid muscle. And Hercules out there somewhere. I've tried, I've tried, and you're still standing, but I'm still standing too. I'm in the best shape of my life, and I know you are too, and Gene, down the road, I hope we can meet and get this score settled once and for all.
9: You know,
0: I think that's the one thing you'll have to agree with me. The officials here in the World Wrestling Federation are tremendously accommodating. They bend over backwards to see that your wishes are properly represented at that level. And if anybody can do it, sign that kind of a match, World Wrestling Federation matchmakers can get the job done.
11: That's right. Uh, You know, promoter uh, Vince McMahon and and President uh, Jack Tooney is the greatest in the world, and uh, when they see the matches that the people want to see, and that's great. They're going to put it together.
0: All right, Billy Jack Haynes. He's come a long way from Portland, Oregon. He came from the streets of that, that great Pacific Northwestern city in the U.S. of A. And Billy Jack, we wish you nothing but continued luck here in the World Wrestling Federation.
11: Thank you very much, and I want to wish everybody in Oregon hello.
0: All right. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to have you on, hand. He is Billy Jack Haynes, one of the great superstars here in the World Wrestling Federation.
2: And here it is, Haynes talking about opening a new gym in Oregon. If you guys have ever listened to any of the Billy Jack Haynes shoot interviews, there's a lot of them out there. And if you don't want to lose any brain cells, do yourselves a favor and try to skip the conspiracy theories edition of the Billy Jack Haynes shoot. But he talks about this gym story in length, having Hulk Hogan come and show up for the grand opening and things like that. But Billy Jack Haynes talking right here on the WWTV, giving him free publicity to talk about opening up a gym in his hometown. And did you catch that? Haynes admitting that Vince McMahon is a promoter. He talks about promoters, Vince McMahon and and Jack Tooney. And no screaming here this week. Did you catch that, too? No screaming from Billy Jack Haynes. No longer promising to break necks and hospitalize people and in their careers, but rather a smiling Billy Jack Haynes here this week. And honestly, I don't know which one's more scary. As we close out this edition of The Grenade, we head back to primetime wrestling for June the 29th, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And as we head into the intro for this episode, we learn the x-rays that Bobby Heenan promised are on the way.
8: I'm Gorilla Monsoon, and I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Are you sure? Positive. Where are they? Where are what? The x rays. I want to see them. You promised everybody. They're on their way. They'll be here. We that? got two hours. You've had a week to get them here. I have a week and two hours. I <sighs> un- got to go into a chair, gets to have a last meal and talk to somebody. Highly unlikely, I guess, that we will see any x rays. Oh, no. You're going to see x rays, all right. Okay. Great. tried to embarrass me out here last week. You, uh, people told me what happened. You pulled off my neck brace from behind. I cost me just, an extra four days. I saw you of had a hair. It was a hair that was tangled in I was trying to concern yourself with my hair. Straight extra Feature sport. this week here on Primetime Wrestling. Interesting. Mr. Orndorff, right? No. Bundy. No. Uh, the King. No. Andre the Giant. No. It's the Islanders against the King. No. Complete absence of anyone from your family here this week on Primetime Wrestling. Our feature is the Hart Foundation against the Killer Bees. In fact, uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, is sort of taking over all the big things that are going on today in the World Wrestling Federation. He's got the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. He's got the Tag Team Champions of the World. What do you got? Besides a sore neck, supposedly. Why aren't any of my family members on this program? (laughs) Obviously, because there's a complete lack of interest in anyone that you have in your. Oh, no, it's stable, not that. See, right it's a conspiracy. Somebody's against me here. In time. Somebody's planning these shows. Right now, out we're here. going to take a look at a newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation. Let's go. He's the, the one
2: kicking this stuff. So, we learn that the X rays are on the way, or so says the brain. Also, some fun stuff here with uh, Bobby Heenan basically running down his entire Heenan family as he's trying to figure out who is in the feature match here this week on primetime. Is it the Islanders? No. Is it Hercules? No. King Harley Race? No. It's none of them, Brain. Fun as usual here as we kick things off. The show goes on, though, as the X-Rays have finally arrived. We're also going to hear a little bit about Little Beaver and King Kong Bundy.
8: King Kong Bundy will be losing some sleep, I'm sure. Oh, no. You know what Little Beaver's going to do on the farm there in Mudlick? You know that thing they have out in the field that's made of straw that stands like this? Scarecrow, it's called. Right. Well, someone stole their scarecrow from granny's farm and little beaver's gonna work the odd hours when he's not in the ring he's gonna stand out there scare away varmints please well these are in fact x-rays well well, let's wait until the end of the show let's make a big deal we don't have enough time here now for you to get into it and really apologize to me properly i'm surprised to see that there are actually negatives in here that i'm surprised miss betty didn't come in she's tied up with victor obviously yeah It's her business, not mine. But she's on my time. There may be some litigation also. You talked about litigation with... uh, Tara? I understand that Little Beaver is bringing some litigation, and you're involved in it as well. After all, you are the manager of King Kong. I didn't touch that little environment. I didn't say that. But it was under your direct There's no proof of that. My name isn't written on a thing. Uh, You can't hang this rap on me. I swore to it. Oh, you would, you, you like midgets. We'll be back in just a moment really with like more midgets. action here on
2: primetime wrestling. It's probably your favorite. In fact, Bobby Heenan comparing little beaver to a scarecrow there. The x-rays have arrived. The saga begins here on primetime as the show continues on. The junkyard dog is back in the world wrestling federation. Lots of fun stuff upcoming here in this soundbite. Take a listen. We're
8: back folks and returning after a very successful tour of the Orient, the junkyard dog back to the world wrestling federation. Uh, I understand he took about a week for some R and R as well. I don't follow his career much. I don't really care what he does. Well, you, you should care I, what he does because there's a little vendetta still lingering. He was beaten in him the middle and of the, the r- monarch. Him and the king, yes. He was beaten right in the middle of the ring, WrestleMania. He didn't get down and beg and bow like he was supposed to, but he ran off with the cape. The man's a thief. Might as well start hanging around Patera. They can compare old stories. Please. In fact, that would be an interesting combination should he and Patera decide to become partners. I can envision the king crumbling into 40 million pieces after receiving one of those power slams by the dog. Probably. It's a very devastating move, but I can't envision him ever picking up the king or getting in that position. See, he fears the king. Oh, please. He is trembling I, at I the get mention a, of take a look is. now? Is it? Sorry. No, 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 not yet we got other business to conduct here. We've other matches to talk about. What's, what match is coming up? Tell me. Look me in the eye and tell me. The next match. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are something else. Martin and Poffel. The Poet Laureate of the World Wrestling Federation. It, thank goodness. If it wasn't for a bathroom wall, he wouldn't know any poetry. Oh, please.
2: And Gorilla Monsoon stating that the JYD had been gone on a tour of the Orient. Now, if you guys go try to watch this episode on the Peacock, the term Tour of the Orient is actually bleeped out. Apparently, Orient is that racist. I don't think it was meant in that term, but the WWE and Peacock taking no chances. Can't imagine what they've done to Michael Hayes' promise from 89 at this point. But Gorilla trying to explain the dog's time away as gone on a Tour of the Orient. We heard that all the time back in the day whenever a wrestler was gone for any period of time. And I don't know about you, but as a kid, I bought it. But Bobby Heenan says that the dog, he stole the King's cape at WrestleMania 3. He calls him a thief. Says that JYD should have done some time with Ken Patera. I wrote LOL there. As they continue to tease the x-rays, Bobby Heenan going to have to take him out of the envelope sooner or later. Gorilla Monsoon then asking Bobby, you know everything, what's coming next? Bobby wittingly replies, the next match? And it's just the simplest lines. So funny based on the delivery of Bobby Heenan. And as they get ready to throw to a Lanny Papo match, Bobby Heenan gets another one in there. He says that Papo wouldn't know any poetry if not for the bathroom walls. So the brain is on a roll here this week. And finally, guys, the time has come. Gorilla Monsoon finally getting a look at the x-rays of Bobby Heenan.
8: I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a look at some of this. There's more than one in here. There's a couple of different angles of my neck. I'll tell you. Anything of the brain in there? No, no. I wouldn't dare have radiation touch that. Please. Well drag one out and let's take a look at it. Were well, you gonna show it to well, us. Oh wait so? a minute. No, not that one. I don't know, you brought the thing. At least we could do is, is We're on over. the air now. We do your job. Or I'll take over. <laughs> Go ahead, take over. Do do my job. Go ahead. Our next match, coming up here on Primetime, will be <laughs> my paper. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. You're over here. You're on this camera now over here. (laughs) Well, there's three cameras. She's here (laughs) clicking her fingers like this. (laughs) Leapy Lady Poffo against Frenchy Martin. Martin. I was going to say that. Let's go to ringside. Boy, the incompetence. Is it all right now if we take a look at the negatives? Go ahead. Take a look. You don't mind? Some of the uh, choice pieces of work. What is this, a rib? Is this Uh, a joke? I suggest you uh, cut down to six packs a day. This is a chest x-ray. Let me see that. Of course this is a chest x-ray. Haven't you ever been x-rayed for a neck injury? They're checking to see if I had... It's a little bit north of here, the neck. Right, but now they're working in the southern end, if you let me explain. They always check. They always x-ray the whole body. There's a whole bunch of x-rays in here. You just happen to pull out the first one. This shows right here. They're trying to check the spinal column. They're trying to check the lungs. They're checking the stem of the neck. They're checking the collarbones. We'll be back. I, can read. I don't next have to read Coming up in just Look, a moment. And the
2: therm here. What's the therm? And after all of that, a chest x-ray. A chest x-ray? Are you kidding me, Bobby? Come on. Fun banter between the two. And this continues to play on throughout the rest of the episode of Primetime Wrestling, including into the outro here. We're going to hear more. From Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon talking about these X-rays that Bobby Heenan had promised of his neck. Let's see if they turn up. Say what you, you want. But you,
8: you know, even though this is a more or less a chest X-ray and shows the lungs, and you're in deep trouble here, regardless of whether you have a neck injury or not. What do you mean? Look at the curvature of the spine here. See the damage he did, and you think I've been? This is something oh, that's it. been going on all your life here. This isn't something that you. Of just course, I've been injured. Been in this, being I've been in this great sport all my life. I've been jerked around all my life in this great sport. Expected something this to happen overnight. This is years and years of abuse I've taken. We'll get to look at the rest of them in just now, a moment. Right now, we're going to go to me? ringside. My, I give you my word. I want to, do to do apologize that. to everyone out there. We promised. Uh, well, he promised you something, and as usual, he did not deliver. Let me explain something to you. How can you possibly explain a foot? I'd like to. <laughs> X-ray of a foot. <laughs> I know how silly it sounds, but. How many times have any one of you people gone to a hospital, a Brando hospital, and heard about x-rays getting mixed up? They're only that thick. Anything can happen. I'll get on the phone. I'll get more here. My integrity is a match coming up. What can I say to you? You can't say anything to me. I don't, I don't even want to discuss it any further. You seem like you've let the people... Because go. of this? You're darn right I'm put out because it is. You know I'm how called. many thousands of people out there waited this week to see these x-rays as well as myself? An x-ray of a foot? Give me a break, brain. I know it sounds funny, but I, I'm really sorry. So maybe you could pay some doctor to take a legitimate x-ray. A foot. Give me a break. Obviously, you have nothing to say in your behalf, in your defense. Speaking of defense, I understand that your Lance lost his license. For what? He rammed into the back of an ambulance or something with his car. Well, well nice folks, that food. wraps it up for this week here on Primetime Wrestling. I'm sure you were disappointed, as I was. Uh, I will never again. You know, I'm going to treat you just like I would treat one of my kids when they were children. I'm going to punish that you do. You're next week, you me? will be without a telephone. That will be your punishment for next week. It's my phone. No telephone for you. That's it will my be phone. eliminated from this set completely. Who are you to tell me? I'm, I'm the, the host. Is there an echo in here? You will not have a phone out here. I will have a phone. I guarantee not. I'll have a phone. Listen, everybody have a safe and a happy 4th of July. We'll see y'all next week.
1: My phone.
6: Lord Alfred Hayes here, and I like to have some crunch with my brunch. That's why I tune into Mean Gene and All American Wrestling on USA, the network of champions, Sunday at noon.
1: Double down, 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 down,
2: So Gorilla Monsoon going through more of the x-rays in the envelope. This time, it's of a foot. A foot. Ridiculous. And so Gorilla has looked at Bobby's chest, his spine, his his foot, obviously. The brain exclaiming that, hey, they had a mix-up at the hospital. That's all it was. And how cool was it there to hear the live version Alfred Hayes shilling the upcoming All-American Wrestling this coming weekend. But that's going to wrap it up here this week for this edition of Primetime Wrestling, as well as this edition of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. Lots of interesting things we see the macho man has had a change of heart or at least a change in his mind. No longer interested in that IC title, but rather looking ahead at the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. Mr. T is back in the World Wrestling Federation as a special enforcer. No doubt it won't be too long before he gets his hands on somebody. Hey, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf back on our TV, as is King Kong Bundy. We learn the jumping bomb angels are on their way to the WWF. We heard the natural butchery referring to himself as a New breed of man, unlike that broken-down warhorse superstar Graham, so we know things are coming there. The Killer Bees scoring an upset win over Tag Team Champion Heart Foundation, and we got our debut vignette of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. So much went on this week, and we even got introduced to Miss Betsy in the ring as well. So it's been a fun time. I've had a blast. And can you believe it, guys? With this June 29th edition of Primetime, it marks the halfway mark. We have finished up six months of 1987 in the WWF. We are now at the halfway mark. Six months down, six to go. As we return next week and we begin to look at the month of July, we're going to take a look at the July news as well as results here in the World Wrestling Federation. The project continues in the middle of the summer of 87.
6: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Not even mouthwash freshens your breath better than when you're chewing clean, crisp-tasting, Dentine, Triton it in too.
2: Okay, and that's going to wrap it all up here this week. I want to thank everyone again, all of the loyal listeners out there, all the loyal patrons to the WrestleCopia Podcast Network as well. I couldn't do this without all of your support. So please keep the retweets, the shares, the likes, the subscriptions, those five-star ratings over at Apple. They all go a long way in bringing the WrestleCopia Podcast Network to the next level. I really appreciate all of you as we continue to grow the WrestleCopia brand. Now, as for the 1987 project, I can't believe it. We're halfway through. We just concluded June of 1987, which means next week we're going to move into July 1987 with WWF News, as well as look at all the results and goings on heading in and throughout the month of July. And there's no doubt those million-dollar man vignettes are going to continue to flow, but we've got so much more upcoming here. We know the Natural Butchery going to start his feud here with the superstar Billy Graham. And I won't spoil too much more here this week. But just know we've got a lot coming in the month of July as we continue on with this 1987 project in the World Wrestling Federation. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N-Grenade. Also follow and like us at facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And be sure to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Our own YouTube channel. Over 450 videos and counting, guys. Go check it out right now. Again, that address youtube.com slash wrestling grenade and but of course i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the wrestle copia patreon account you can find us there at patreon.com slash Wrestlecopia. that address again patreon.com slash wrestle c-o-p-i-a give that five dollar all access tier a try all sorts of goodies for just five dollars guys insanely detailed show notes for three of the shows here on wrestle copia You get early access to many of the podcasts, enhanced versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, and as of late, lots of other bonus goodies as well. You never know what I'm going to add to that $5 all-access tier. All sorts of good stuff coming your way each and every week. Give it a try, and remember, no subscription, you can cancel any time, but I think you're going to like the content that we offer there, and we hope that you continue to show your support help keep the WrestleCopia Podcast Network up and running for some time to come. With all of that said, I'll be back very soon. Going to begin July. Going to kick off the second half of 1987 in the World Wrestling Federation with the month of July. Very much looking forward to it. Feels like just a week or two ago that I started this project here in 1987. But here we are halfway through. Still six months to go. Lots of good stuff coming up. More Saturday Night's Main Events the inaugural Survivor Series pay-per-view, the debuts of the likes of Bam Bam Bigelow, Ravishing Rick Rude, The Ultimate Warrior, so many more still to come here in 1987. And who could forget the 1987, quote-unquote, 37th annual Slammy Awards still to come here this year. And of course, Driver, the wrestling album, still coming our way here in 1987. Can't wait to get to that and so much more. Gonna see you guys back here very soon with episode 86 as we kick off July 1987 in the WWF. Until then, this is Ray Russell saying from Pillar to Post and Coast to Coast, you pull the pin, and we'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. See you next week. Don't miss it. Be there!
1: A foot. Give me a break.